Welcome to episode 47 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti at Chilotti LOL. With me tonight, the full crew. We have John George at the Esports Plug. How we doing, everybody? Calvin T at Ruler R. Sama. Hello. And Chris Chung at Prime LOL. Hello. All right, we got the full crew assembled. Uh, we've assembled Voltron. <laughs> there we go, Exodia. Uh... So, we got a lot going on this week. Uh, LCK finishing up tomorrow before their hiatus. A uh, couple news items to touch on. LPL starting up on Monday. But uh, before we wanted to, before we do anything, I said I'd read any review we get, and someone is really challenging me on this one. So we got a, a five star review from MT three four seven. It's titled "Number One League of Legends Podcast." So, bear with me here. This is a long review. Can't tell if I'm being trolled or serious or maybe a little bit of both. So we'll find out. It says, <clears throat> I'm clearing my throat here. I dabble in any LOL podcast I can get my ears on, and this is my favorite by a good bit. Most of them cover LCS only, while the gold card covers LCS, LEC, LCK, LPL, and, and the LPL. I enjoy their analytical-based approach in betting style, and that they have a strong grasp on the highly varied nature of the game. Gelati throws out unique insights on champions and players that you just don't hear anyone else, and if he keeps his discipline, I'm predicting a huge hot streak on his blog soon that I always enjoy reading. Let's hope you're right on that. <laughs> uh, Prime, the man of the bold takes, helped me learn the ways of D- uh, DFS GPP stacking and cash games. His cheat sheet thoughts are a weekly read for me. John's team preseason breakdowns were really helpful when I was learning the ropes, and without them, I might have had such a horrible betting in DFS results that I might have given up and missed out on what a great and exciting sport this is. What other podcast is giving out plus 1,000 underdogs, bet of the weeks, and hitting them like it's no big deal, eh? <laughs> in my opinion, he's one of the top all DFS players in the game. When he dishes out analysis, he'd be, you'd be wise to listen. Calvin is quite the contrarian, which perfectly balances the pot and helps keep the group in check when they get too excited on a position. Without him, misfits might have run me into the ground on their heater. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Jeez. <laughs> Uh, not only are these four some of the sharpest minds in the industry, but as a bonus, but as a bonus, you get book, video game recommendations, and dating advice by Cal. Five stars. Thank <laughs> you for the exceptionally long and detailed review, MT three forty seven. That's awesome, man. That's I love a, that. Review. That's a good thank review, you. and I'm, I'm, I uh, thank you. I think we're all thankful for that. Good, yep, that good stuff. Sweet. Good stuff. Oh my gosh, have that guy contact me. I'll send him something. There you this go. Cool. You heard, you there heard it. Go. Contact, contact, See? Chris. Thank you for the reviews, as always. Keep on uh, rating, subscribing, uh, and leaving reviews. Uh, like I said, I'll read all of them on here. So, we had a couple news items to get to. Um, obviously, the LCK is finishing up tomorrow morning. We're going to talk about that. Uh, I mean, we should talk about it right now. The LCK is finishing up tomorrow. Basically, they are going on an indefinite hiatus. They announced this like late last week. And they'll be going uh, after they're playing one match tomorrow which is actually the end of the full first round robin of games uh, for the, the tournament. So exactly half the season will be after the match tomorrow. They said it's an indefinite hiatus. My guess would be, this is due to the coronavirus outbreak, obviously. They're going to end up doing something like the LPL and doing an online league, but I'm not entirely sure. They haven't They haven't officially announced anything. So... After tomorrow, LCK is on indefinite hiatus. I guess we'll find out more once we know more, but they haven't announced anything yet. My guess would be it's going to be like a week or two, and then they'll either go to an online league or 
continue doing what they were doing, which is just nobody in the studio streaming it, and that's just the games. But uh, oh, you guys have any comments on that, or it just is what it is? Yeah, it's a little. It's it's definitely seems like something that everyone seems to think it merits. I mean, we haven't really seen the full effects of the coronavirus in the United States, so it's hard for us to tell exactly how serious it is. I mean, we can see the numbers, but without seeing it around you, it's really hard to tell exactly how serious it is. So if, if that's if it's meriting that, then you would think that's a great decision on their part. Yeah, 100%. Safety for everyone first. So. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Uh, so next up was actually uh, one that just broke like an hour ago. Maybe not even that. Uh, Acadian is going to be starting for Dignitas over Grig this weekend. Does this feel like really weird timing to anyone else? A little bit, but at the same time, I think Grig, when I was like making lineups for DFS, honestly, when I was considering putting Dignitas in lineups or deciding who to play, the fact that Grig was on their team was a huge factor. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you. A number of times I thought about putting a Dignitas lineup in and then was just like, you know, I'm not even going to bother. Like the other team has a pretty good jungler. He's just going to crush Grig. Like... <laughs> And I've and I've often been like, oh, I don't know, man. I think FlyQuest might fall off. Oh, but they're playing Dignitas and like Santorin will just destroy Greg, so don't worry about it. Like, <clears throat> so I think he, he was enough of a of a negative to the team that uh, I don't have a problem with them making this change. I think what's wild about Greg is um, it, actually it's funny. Jat Jat was actually talking about this on um, you know his show and on social media and all this. Greg's a really weird case where. If you build a team around him, and, I mean, like, the classic case, like, it, it, Grig on Olaf, and you build a team comp with him, he can be that carry. Like, there's some people that don't function that way. Like, you know, I know, obviously, Olaf is, like, overtuned or whatever, but, like, if you build a team comp around him, and you build, and you set up to enable him, like, they've done a couple of times this season, he can go off. And, like, that's that's where he can be good. I mean, this is a guy that was, like, you know, at the top of the solo queue ladder. He was the real deal. Hasn't quite panned out as a professional player. But the times that it has have been situations where teams have built comps around him. Now, building around a jungler is a very weird thing. Like, it's it's not something that you can usually do. It's meta-dependent. But in the current metagame, you, you sort of can. Like, there's enough picks out there that you can actually build around a jungle carry a little bit. And... I think he's in this weird situation where he he's not very good when he's not in that role, but he's very good in that role, right? Where it reminds me a lot of like carries that aren't carries that are good when you give them resources. Yeah. And there's some like obviously every carry is going to be pretty good when you give them resources, but there's carries that if you just give them a little bit of help, they way over exceed expectation. I think he's kind of like I'm trying to think of a carry that's like that. Uh Stixa is kind of like that, right? Where if you give him just a little bit of help, he's going to way over exceed. Whereas most people are just going to, you know, meet expectations with that. And then like the best of the best can do a lot with a little, right? So I, I kind of think he's like the jungle version of that. It's it's kind of a weird niche space to be in because I think he he kind of gets miscast a little bit. Where I I don't think he's bad. He's just not good at what we consider like standard jungling. Yeah, North America's. If you're that kind of jungler too, North America's not exactly your scene. Like we're not a jungle, a, a meta where like junglers get fed and go off very often. 
I think it's, yeah. it's just weird because, like, you need to have that as part of your team identity, and they just don't. Like, that's just not what they are. I kind of yeah. feel like they might be pretty good if they if they did that. Like, the couple times they've done it this season, he's, like, looked really, really good. I just don't know. I mean, I've never, I haven't, like, gone through and thought about, like, the, the draft implications of this, like, how easy it would be or how difficult it would be to, to do this game in and game out. It's probably a lot harder than I'm thinking. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird timing, right? Like, yeah, kind of. I kind of also wish that they brought up Demonte because of how they play together throughout Academy. And I also think Demonte is good as well. Not saying Froggy was bad, but yeah, yeah. I would like to see Demonte come up. It's just weird. Like, I, and this, by the way, I'm just gonna say this. This is another move that maybe Spring Split doesn't matter. This is like this is one of those moves that seems influenced from that, right? Like, now that there's not circuit points on the line, and now that we're in the playoff race, that seemingly doesn't matter nearly as much as it did, does in a typical season. I bet if this happened last year, they're not making this move. Like, 100% they're not making this move. Because they're going to lose their playoff. They could lose their playoff spot if it doesn't work out, right? True. Yeah. It's, like, way riskier. Now it's like there's nothing to risk on it. So, you know, kind of I'll kind of parlay that into the next one. Chris, do you have anything on Acadian starting over, Greg? Have you thought this out at all? Uh, no, I think maybe some changes because Dick's issue go far beyond just the jungle, but Greg is a negative, like John said. So maybe it'll give him a boost over, like, it, it could lead them to locking a playoff spot, maybe a final playoff spot, but I don't think it makes a big impact in the bigger picture. Yeah, maybe, maybe for depth purposes it could, like... Acadian should be theoretically another year better. Acadian's never been that bad. Like I, I, I don't but, know if you guys think that way. Like Acadian's just, like fine to me. That that's where I've always had him. Is just like if you need a, a fill in jungler, like you could do worse than Acadian. Yeah, he's very he's serviceable. Also, he's never really been exciting, but he he's he can fill in just fine. By the way, side note: Prime just posted an absolutely fantastic listener question. Ooh, let me see. But actually, my initial reaction to it was changed after about five seconds. So maybe we hit that up while we're talking about this. Well, let's. Uh, I want to touch on one more thing, and then we'll then we'll do it. Because uh, yeah. I kind of wanted to parlay this into, um, you know, the the big news of the week, which is you know, double lift or tactical is going to be starting over double lift, and uh, a number of outlets have talked this to death over the course of the week because it kind of happened going into last weekend, but. More happened on Monday with um, Steve from the owner of Liquid coming out and basically saying, and and good on Jap by the way for for pushing this question. Mm-hmm. So he came out and said, "Double a Tactical is going to be their starter next week." Jap pushed him and said, "Okay, like why is it because he's still sick?" And he's like, "No, it's not because he's still sick." And then right afterwards, Double Lift came out and said, "Basically, I've been benched due to motivation issues, and you know." wake up call basically. So mm-hmm. one, I think it's kind of it's kind of awesome to have that kind of clarity. Like it's refreshing, right? Like there's no but like they didn't even try to bullshit people. Like they didn't even yeah. say, "Oh yeah, he's still sick." Cuz like nobody would have bought that. Like nobody yeah. would have bought that. Like you're not sick with laryngitis for like an extra week. You know, yeah. it's like that's like that's like a, you know, 5 to 7 day thing, right? And Tactical looked pretty good. I, now, he looked pretty good. I don't think it was necessarily, like, 
a result of him. I think Liquid were winning these games anyway, which is something that you know we should probably take some time to talk about. So I like, think I don't, I don't, point. Oh, go ahead. I don't, I don't want to go overboard and be like, oh my god, tactical is the next great thing, but tactical is like, I think he's like rank five in solo queue. Uh, his numbers haven't been stellar in academy, but like he looks like he's going, he's like an actual good prospect, and he looks pretty good in these two games. I just don't. I I want to cool the Jets a little bit because I think it had very little to do with him specifically, but I do think there were some things that made him look pretty good. I don't know. Did you see the the Callista play and like bot the the bot siege they were doing, like the inhibitor tower siege, where he was like feeling himself basically? <laughs> I I actually like seeing that. It's it's refreshing because like when you're an eighty carry, like when you're any kind of carry, like a late game carry, and you're scaling like that. I, I like to see that you you feel confident and you know how strong you are. It didn't end up working out in this point in this spot. It kind of made him look dumb for a second, but I like when you have that kind of thing. That's kind of what made Wild Turtle a wild card, right? Yep. Was that he would actually go for aggressive plays like that? So that's not something you usually see from that was in his second stage game. Yeah, like that's kind of crazy, right? So maybe there's something too tactical that he's actually good and. I can kind of understand this from Liquid's point of view that like you don't want to mess things up if it's a you don't want to mess up a good thing, right? And Doublelift had not been that great this season. He was underperforming, like absolutely underperforming. I think the thing that <clears throat> that stood out to me was <clears throat> that it wasn't necessarily that tactical played fantastic or anything, more so that the team got to play differently than they're used to playing. Yeah. Uh they always play the same way when they have double lift. And it's and it takes some resources away from Jensen and takes some resources away from the team in general. And it did feel like not having to do that uh, was a something that helped them out uh, a decent amount. What's wild? What's wild? And I'll push. I'll put this to you, Calvin. Like, what's wild about this is it's a two-game sample size. Also, it's Broxa's like another weekend for Broxa. Maybe the team's got some more chemistry. So it it's so difficult to tell just how much this mattered. Like, that's what's difficult to parse out about this situation, right? And then you want to add the other layer to it. The other layer is maybe it does matter, but we just haven't seen it yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe Tactical is actually just good. Like, really, really good. And we don't know because even though we saw last week that it didn't necessarily matter, maybe it will. Maybe the fact that he's good will matter, like, this week. Like maybe there's a spot where he makes a game-winning play, you know? Like mm-hmm. we don't, we don't, and, and or maybe it has nothing to do with him and everything to do with Broxa developing chemistry with the rest of the team. So it's a really difficult thing to parse out, but it's 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 a fascinating situation because you know double lifts the face of the league. Like this, this would be like LeBron. It's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on this one? Uh, I think it's a smart move. I just, I just feel like I, I love Double Wolf, you know what I mean? But yeah, I just feel like it's just excuses on excuses now, and I just, he just needs to perform, in my opinion. And he just didn't seem like it. The split, I don't know what was going on, but can't contest on what he's feeling. But I, don't I mean, know. he came out and I, I like this is what I've always loved about Double Lift is that he's like straight up about everything. Like he came out and he was like, "Look, I was having motivation issues," and the thing I liked, I gotta see if I can pull the tweet up because. Um, I mean, he's always been honest with himself. It's just, I think 
I know it's hard to do it than say it, but like he's just been saying the same thing over and over every year. It's I got it. So I I I pulled the thing. So he says I'm benched because I had no motivation until recently. Being sick and unable to compete gave me my passion back, but it's too late. I'm sorry to every one of my teammates, and I'll be. This is the thing that got me. I'll be working from now on to regain their trust. And to me, that's huge because it's not about him anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he kind of learned. Uh, do, I don't, do you guys remember the whole fiasco with TSM a couple years ago where he like took the spring split off and then came back and they had a lot of like issues as a team, like getting yeah. along. Like they did not get along from that point forward. I don't know if that was because of like because like think about that is think about that from the the other players on the team point point of view. On one hand, it's like okay, like I can understand like he's burnt. He's burnt out and needs to, needs to reset. You can respect that as a fellow player. But if you're people at the top level of competition and this dude's just taking time off, like you could, that could rub you the wrong way too. It'd be like, yo, why does he get to do this? this is bullshit. You know, like, so I, it, I guess it depends on the team dynamic, but I like that he, he didn't make it about him and made it about regaining his teammates trust back because that's like a mutual respect that I think. Is a good thing. I actually think Liquid and Doublelift both have handled this situation exactly how I'd want them to. Yeah. Which is yeah, rare I... in esports. Yes, it is. Alright, uh, that's a lot of talk about Doublelift. Like, Chris, did you have any thoughts on this? Uh, it just tells me that Liquid is not taking Spring Split off just because there's no championship point. You really, uh, if they, if they had, like, no, um, the fire in them, they would have just continued playing double lift when he's healthy again, right? So certainly they, they want to win. They want to win another title for the team. Uh, I think that's good to hear. And I'm also curious to know that are you saying seeing Tactical not as good in relation to double lift and he could be a good uh, LCS ADC? So here's the thing, right? Like, I, I mean, double lift is you could make a reasonable argument. I actually, I think he just is the best North American player ever. Yeah. Right. Like he just is. I think he's the best AD carry by a long shot. Uh, probably the best North American player period ever. And even if tactical is really, really good, that's an extremely difficult thing to measure up to. Yeah. So, and we've seen Doublelift like besides this season, Doublelift has like gotten better and better and better over his career, which is another thing that we've seen only like the greatest of all time do. Right. So, I think there's something to that. But at the same time, like, I know they kept bringing it up on Jat's show, but, like, Ewing Theory, have you guys heard of this? Mm-hmm. So, Patrick Ewing, basketball player for the New York Knicks, um, there's there was there this whole concept about how that team never won a championship with him there, but when he left, the team got better for an extended amount of time, and there's this whole, like, whole... They were, they were tossing this out. I don't think it's the same kind of situation, because it's a different league and everything, but... Like, maybe there's a bit of that going on. Like, I'm trying to think of if there's been a league example like this. I mean, there really hasn't, right? Like, has a team gotten better and dropped, like, with a worse player? Like, the thing is, like, Tactical might be good. I, it's just so hard to be like, oh, yeah, he's going to be the next Wayne Gretzky. You know? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't think, I don't think he's shown in Academy or the LCS that he's that level. I no. think he's a solid 80 carry. Like I said, I think a really big part of this is that the team plays differently when they don't have double lift. And Jensen is still a great player when you give him resources. And we know Broxa is fantastic when he has resources. Impact can carry games when he has resources. And a lot of times those guys do get a little bit starved by double lift. 
And so if Doublelift is not playing amazing with the resources he's getting, then the team would be better off just giving those resources to Jensen and Impact and Broxa. And I think that's what we saw, more so than him being great or anything. It's 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 a really fascinating situation, and like, there's a number of outlets that have talked this to death. So like I, I think I'm just gonna we'll, we'll say that's enough for us anyway. But it's a, it's a really interesting situation, and I don't think it really shades too much what you should think of Liquid for the rest no. of the season. But it's just it's I mean it had to be talked about. It's a really unique situation, right? Double lift will be back in a couple weeks, right? Like, there's, like, almost no chance he's not going to be back next weekend or the weekend after, I think. So, like, here's the thing, right? What if... What if Liquid just, like, wins out until, like, they're... Like, they play Cloud9 the last game of the season. I think they were going to win out anyway, except for maybe the Cloud9 game, but... So, what if they win out? Like, even if it has, like, nothing to do with Tactical. Like, do, do you bring Double Lift back in, like, once Tactical has a bad game? Or do you usually like, just let him finish the season at this point? Like that, it's that's what I mean. Like, there's so many layers to this that make it fascinating, right? If you feel like he's mended the relationships with his teammates, I think you bring him back next weekend. You give him his little slap on the wrist this weekend, and he comes back next weekend and a little humbled. Hopefully, that's what I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen, but he's playing. He's played like a bunch of solo queue the last like five days or so. Like it's insane. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's a really, really wild situation. Um, so let's do this listener question. Yeah, this is a great question because when I first looked at it, I like smirked I'm, and I'm just, and I'm just reading it. it. I'm just reading it now. So the first time okay. I'm reading it will be will be right here. So this is from uh, at Roberts number forty nine. Um, listener, great listener to the show. He's been with us oh, for Robert, a long Robert. time. So he said he asks if FlyQuest. Were somehow were to somehow negotiate a deal that landed them double lift. Oh, okay, I wish I read this before now. If FlyQuest <laughs> were to somehow negotiate a deal that landed them double lift, would they automatically become the LCS favorite, and/or would they be more highly favored to win MSI than Cloud Nine currently is? So Ooh. I first saw that question and I was like, no. I mean, it's still FlyQuest. And then I thought about it and I was like, well, Viper's better than Impact, and Santorin's playing very well, but Brox is still better. Power of Evil and Jensen feel pretty comparable. Dude, I would contest the the Viper Impact thing. Only. I think Viper's better than Impact. I I, I do too, um, like in a vacuum. But like, there's you know, just nothing that replaces international experience, man. And Impact is elevated on the international stage before. So Impact feels like when he today. wants to win, he like when he wants to be that guy, he can. I don't know. Go <laughs> on, sorry. In previous seasons, I'm I'm not sure it's comparable, but like the way they've played this season, I think Ignar's played about as well as Core JJ's played. I think Viper's played. I think yeah, I think Viper's been better than Impact. I think Santorin and Broxa. Broxa's probably better, but it's Santorin's playing very well at the moment. Power of Evil and Jensen. Power of Evil's been better than Jensen. Yeah, have played about the same, maybe maybe slight edge to Power of Evil, and then you know Doublelift's better than Tactical. And so, I mean, I guess you really should compare them to Cloud9, not to Team Liquid, but I don't know. FlyQuest might be. Like, their biggest weakness is Wild Turtle. If you got rid of him and got the best AD carry in North America to replace Wild Turtle, maybe that lineup is a favorite to win the LCS. I don't know. That's interesting. It's kind of it's kind of wild. Like, I, I don't know if I can actually make them favorites, dude. I don't know what I thought about it. Yeah, my first reaction was like, nah, come on, it's still FlyQuest. I mean, but then I thought about it, and I don't know, man. They might be – I don't know who I pick. If they get double lift in the finals, FlyQuest against Cloud9, I don't know who I take. 
the other angle to, the other angle to this hypothetical is would is this in a vacuum or is this a realistic like if this happened tomorrow yeah i mean it, it, there's some other implications it's week 7 and it's their play style and stuff might not fit with double yeah. A. Like, I just mean like pure talent wise, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, like looking in a fit. vacuum. Are they as talented as Cloud9 or more talented than Cloud9 if they get double lift? I don't know. That's tough. And just to comment on the impact thing, and we can talk about this when we get to NA, but like it's spring split impact. Impact is always bad in spring split. Like always, <laughs> like every single year. Even back to when he was in Korea, he was like this. Like he's always bad in spring split. Relative. I think impact. The last couple of years for me, Impact has been like serviceable but not exciting about 80% of the time and then super exciting like 20% of the time. Like once every yep. once in a while, like every five games, he just like you're he like, just Damn, reminds you who he is. Yeah. Going like... off. And the other four out of five games, it's like like a looks kind of like a mediocre top laner. But part of that is because his team is usually crushing everybody. So he doesn't really have to do anything exciting. But yeah, I don't know. He hasn't. He hasn't like blown me away in recent years. I think he's a great top laner, one of the best in the league. But I, he hasn't like blown me away. Viper for me has been outstanding basically every game. Yeah, Impact's really serviceable. I think they're all in a sense just a serviceable team uh, on Team Liquid. Proxy's good. What do you uh, think on this hypothetical, Cal? Like, do you think that makes FlyQuest like? I don't think they're cont- <sighs> I don't think they're a contender. I think there's other struggles than Wild Turtle, in my opinion. Um, I think everyone's performing well, but I think everyone's overperforming on FlyQuest. To be honest with you, if they get double F, they still don't. They still don't become a favorite. They wouldn't be a favorite. No, Cloud Nine. Cloud Nine's body of work this season is just too strong to make them underdogs against anybody. I want to say that yeah, Cloud Nine would be the favorite. FlyQuest, I'd probably maybe second, maybe second or third. Like I if... know double F is better than tactical, but. Uh, I don't know, man. It's tough. It's tough to say right now. The thing is, like, this is another classic case of, like, this is it's just track record. You have to trust the track record, right? Like, if you look objectively, Doublelift has not been great this season. No, he hasn't. Like, at all. Like, this is, like, one of his worst splits ever. But at the same time, it's like, we know that, like, if this dude just gets his head on straight and cares, he's he is the best. He's just... this. Doesn't this feel like... It feels like NBA players at the end of the regular season, where they're just, like, benched at the end of the season for rest <laughs> yeah. but they're doing it now like it's like a load management thing or something but yeah like chris what do you think on this hypothetical would that make would you would FlyQuest be more intriguing would they be favorites or like i don't think you can make anybody a favorite over cloud nine right now I think you're, muted. you're muted anyway he might be he might be distracted so we'll, we'll go on um you want to talk about the plug challenge, John? Yeah, sure. Briefly. So I finished up my first losing plug challenge. the first time I've lost one, and uh, it hurt. I had a, an interesting conversation uh, with the guy who I played against. His name's uh, Stens31 on Twitter. Um, and honestly, we decided to do one again uh, and to run it back because we had a conversation after it was over where I said, like, honestly, this is why I think I have an edge over you. And I, like, literally explained why I think I have an edge. And he just basically said, I disagree with you. And I was Time like, to run it back. <laughs> I was kind of like, why, why do you think that is? Like, we, we were having a friendly conversation about it, just discussing, you know, how DFS works. But I was just kind of like, you know, here's where I think you did something wrong. Do you, why do you think it's not wrong? And his response was sort of just like, I don't think it's wrong. 
And I was like, okay, well, I think it is. Like, do you have any, like, sort of reasoning for why you don't think it's wrong? And he was just like, I don't think it's wrong. And so I was like, okay. Like, I, th- I think we just do it again then. Because, I, like, like I said in my, my post on Twitter, the strategy that he uses puts the onus on me to decide who I think is going to be the best play. And if I'm right, I basically always win. And the problem was I've been abysmal at deciding who was the best play so far this split. Uh, I played four G2 players every time they've lost. Uh, I faded them twice uh, on on slates where they just, like, absolutely went off. Does this see, is he, is, was he playing, like, like cash game-looking lineups? Uh, well, we play cash games. Against okay, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but, no, I mean, for people who play, I don't know how much DFS all of our listeners play, but... The argument that we're having, and I, I guess people can comment on this on Twitter if they want. We already decided to run it back, so regardless of who's right. The, our lineups are are what I would call 3-3 three, three, and 4-2. So all of his lineups play three CLG players, three TSM players, and then one of those teams. And all of my lineups play four CLG players and two TSM players, or vice versa. Um, and the argument that I that I made when we were just talking about this was like, look, basically what you're saying is if we both know that the two best teams to play are G2 and Fnatic, you're telling me I get to decide which one I want to play four of. And if that team scores higher, then I'm going to win because I have four of them and you have three and we're both playing the same two teams. And so you're putting the onus on me to decide which team is going to score higher. And I've just been universally wrong essentially yeah. about which team was going to score higher. But if you, if you um, if you pick like, you know, say, 65% of the time you've got the right side, you're going to win those slates. If you look back at the match histories, and this is like what I said to him, if you look back at the match histories, when we're playing the same teams, if the team that I played four of was the higher scoring team, I won every time. But when I'm losing, it's because they're not, and he has three of the other team, and I only have two. So he's, but that at, still he's, he's plus one the, player. Yeah. yeah, he's plus one player on the team that scored higher. We're playing the same two teams, but he's plus one player on the higher scoring team because I chose the wrong one. Yeah. And I think it has sense. to be, I think it just has to be an edge that I'm the one that gets to choose which one I think is going to do better. I, I would side you, with that personally. Like if you say who's going to score higher, Mad Lions or XL, and I get to look at the matchups and I get to see what's going to happen and I get to choose, that has to be an edge. Yeah, I just don't I, see how, how it's possible for 3-3 to be a better lineup setup, but he says he thinks it is, and so I said, let's run it back again. I mean, it might be a more consistent approach if, like, just in a vacuum, right? I don't even think it's more but, consistent. I mean, but, like, I yeah, I agree with you. Like, if you if you can consistently hammer out which side is going to be correct, now you got blown out probably by all three G2 losses, I'm assuming. Yeah, like all the G2, the G2 yeah. games are the best example of what yeah. happened a lot in our challenge, which is on all those slates, we both played G2 and Fnatic, but I played four G2 and two Fnatic, and he played 3-3. Three, three. And so when G2 loses, he gets three Fnatic players. Yeah, so he's, again, plus but, one player. Yeah. Same. yeah, but G2 outscores Fnatic in general. So, like, you know, as a whole team in general, they outscore them. So on, on if they were winning, I, I think I would be winning all of those matchups. So it, yeah, makes, it makes sense. Inter- uh, th- this is what's cool about doing all this kind of thing is, yeah. is it, there's to me there's like different ways to skin a cat, right? Like you, you can that expression is always really weird to me. Like I, <laughs> anyway, that's a side topic. But there's there's different ways to do all this, and people have different approaches. And part of the the intrigue for all of this is 
arguing your side, right? Like making your case for which what you think is optimal versus what somebody else thinks is optimal. I tend to side more with what, where you're at. If well, I, I, I if if I actually know that I have a, uh, an actual edge, right? I'll put out a I'll put out a call for Twitter, like based on this, which is Make there's a lot of things. So like, if he had like let's say played misfits every single week, let's say he didn't, but like if he had, and he had just beaten me up with a bunch of misfit stacks, I would never argue that that was wrong because like different people have different opinions on teams, and sometimes they're going to be right, and sometimes they're going to yeah. be wrong. And if someone said they think misfits are going to be really good, and I was like, nah, they're going to be garbage, and then misfits won a bunch of games, I would I'd never be like, oh, you're lucky because that happened. But on this topic, on the four two versus three three. I literally don't think there's any logical argument as to how the three three could possibly be better. So if anyone on Twitter wants to like engage with me, and I'm not even saying it's not possible to prove that I'm wrong, but if anybody wants to engage with me and give me any reasonable argument for why the three three would be a better lineup combination, I'm really interested to hear why that is. Because I really just don't think it's possible that the three three could be better. <laughs> so if anybody has an idea for why they think it is. I would love to to talk with you on Twitter. Twitter, just a friendly back and forth. I dig it. I dig it. Interesting. Yeah, like I'm, I love that you're doing this. By the way, it's like super interesting. <laughs> like it's 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 cool. It's cool, and it's like it's it's hitting from a different angle. Um, Is that me? <laughs> let me see. Uh, so, I we are going to get to the slate. I know we're half an hour into yeah. the show, uh, <laughs> but there's been a lot that's going on this week, and um, since. There's only one match to cover in Korea that we might just skip over. We'll see. Uh, I and I said last week, so we are going to get to the slate. I promise, guys, we are. But uh, I have one other thing I wanted to get to, which I mentioned last week on the podcast, which is that I've been um, compiling line history data for the four major regions, uh, and you know, trying to get information and trends and everything from it. Uh, and see, you know, what's relevant and what's not, and see, try to use it as a way to figure out, kind of like what Vegas Insider does for most traditional sports, where you can pull line history, see where the opening line was, see where this, you know, check your CLV and all and all this stuff. But I was mostly looking at it just from like a a, a straight up like trend kind of spot where I want to see like what what's been the profitable way to bet Europe this split? What's been the profitable way to bet Korea this split? Like what has been doing the best? And do I see that continuing? So uh, I I mentioned it briefly last week, and I've been, like, sprinkling it into – and I've been incorporating this into my blog post and my writing uh, because I think it's informative and it gives you a different perspective on things. So I wanted to take a few minutes to just um, go over some of the major regions, some of the trends I've noticed so far, and, you know, just spit out some records for you guys that, uh, you know, take and leave what you want with it. And – there's been a couple of things that that have really stuck out to me. Um, so, I I mean, I'll just dive into it. We'll go North America first, right? So, North America, it, both North America and Europe have played 60 matches so far this season. Six weeks makes sense, right? Ten matches a week. In North America, um, favorites have been 35 and 25. Makes sense. Roughly where you'd expect it. Uh... Short favorites, like between I put between minus one twenty three and minus one fifty four, are six and eight, so losing record for short favorites. 
Medium favorites between minus 155 and minus 234. In most sports, that's a heavy favorite, but in league, it's medium favorites. Uh, are 13 and 8. And long favorites, minus 235 or greater, are only 15 and 8. Which is kind of wild, which kind of speaks to the tig dogs, like big dogs, just like on theory. Which has kind of panned out. Like, you know, you have to do it for every single case. You have to be consistent about it. But, yeah. So, North America has been a little more interesting. Uh, if you go over to Euro- go over to Europe, Europe's been extremely chalky. So in Europe, the favorites are forty four and sixteen this season. Short favorites again minus one twenty three to minus one fifty four are only four and four. Kind of makes a little bit of sense. Kind of close. Medium favorites are twelve and seven. Long favorites are twenty eight and five. Big difference between the long favorites in North America. Also, a big difference because there's been a lot more of them in Europe, which kind of makes sense, right? With G2, Fnatic, and Origin being a cut above the field, more or less. And think about who the big favorites were in North America to begin the season. It was teams, for the most part, that aren't doing that well. TSM and Team Liquid were would have been the the big favorites at the beginning of the season, and we know what their records are, so... Yeah, so in North America, there's really not many outliers. Uh, Like, FlyQuest is probably the biggest one, uh... And I guess, like, Liquid and TSM, because they've lost as favorites. Uh, like, especially T- TSM kind of settled in after the first week. They lost the – they were big favorites the first two weeks. But uh, they kind of settled in after that. And if you remember, like, they were actually, like, ill. Like, the whole team was sick that first week, or so they say anyway. I don't know. I, I believe <laughs> it, actually, because they don't usually say that kind of thing unless it's actually true. So, but Europe – so, Europe's been really, really wild. So – Part of the reason I wanted to do all of this, and just to clarify, I've taken all of this from one book, mostly just because I don't have the hours in the day to compile like six or seven different books into this whole thing and you know, optimize the lines. But I've taken this just all from one book. This is all from Nitrogen, by the way. So just to have like a big picture, like baseline picture of things. In, basically, the way it's been in Europe is if you weren't on Misfits, who were 5-3 and three as underdogs, and Mad Lions, who were 3-2 and two as underdogs, that's 8 out of the 16 wins for underdogs this season. If you haven't been ahead of the curve on those two teams, it's been more or less impossible to make money in Europe. Unless you've betting been, dogs, anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Betting underdogs. Not necessarily <laughs> underdogs that we think, you know, like, but... As betting underdogs, if you haven't been on them, it's been extremely difficult to there, – there's a very small sample size of, of correct lines of play to have made money in Europe this season. It's extremely it's extremely difficult because you end up laying all these big chalk. Like, there have been 33 out of the 60 – more than half the games this season have had a favorite that's minus 235 or greater in Europe. 33 yeah. out of 60 games. Seems like parlaying favorites. Um, that's yeah. something I noticed has gone well for me this season in Europe, where a lot of my single game bets have not gone as well. Uh, some of my favorite parlays have, have gone pretty well. So, seems and, like that's a strategy you could have been using. To yeah, win this. And, and that's actually where I was going to get to with all this. Is like I think that's probably the angle, uh, or maybe it's too late. Maybe it's, we're going to come back to reality a little bit here, but that's basically been like the only way to be profitable in Europe this season, unless you're like crazy. You know, you've been able to read the tea leaves and get time these things exactly right it's been very difficult north america while you haven't just been able to slam every underdog and make money for free like it's a little bit closer to even where it's like if you've you know 
been able to judge the the you know highs and lows of these teams you can you know if you're just like taking value at the right time it's been a little easier to make money in na i've actually i'm profitable in north america this split i'm way down in europe so (laughs) yeah so europe's been weirdly like heavy heavy chalk um just briefly uh so korea i'll just do like real base stuff because i didn't i didn't do fully granular with like the odds and everything but in korea up until last week, it was actually really profitable to be betting underdog plus 1.5. So underdog spreads were profitable if you just, like, blind bet them on the season. I think they were, like, it was, like, up, up until last week, it was, like, a 20% ROI, which is insane, actually. <laughs> um, so in Korea, well, technically, there's only been 44 matches. We have one more tomorrow. We'll be 45 for the half. Uh, currently, favorites are 32 uh 32 and 12 straight up favorite spreads are set only uh 17 they've only hit 17 times out of the 44 matches so far so favorite two o's underdogs are 12 and 40 or 12 and 34 straight up underdog spreads are 27 and 17 and there have been five underdog two O's. We got another one this morning. So, or not, was no, yesterday morning, sorry. So, Korea's been, uh, that's actually kind of, like, more in line with what I thought, given the state of the game and what we thought going into the season with so much parity in Korea. So that, that has kind of lined up the way I thought it would. And then, obviously, for China, we just don't have enough of a sample size. We have a 14-match sample size. The favorites have won nine times. Favorite spread has covered five times. Underdogs won five times. Underdog spreads nine times. There have been two underdog two O's in China. So, yeah, just some information. I've, I've been kind of – this is kind of like a new project for me. Uh, it's it's a way for me to, like, kind of check what my perception of things is. And I think, um, you know, whether or not I'm going to make this more public or not, I'm, I have to determine that because it's, like, actually a decent amount of work on my end. But um, I probably will just because – I don't like. I don't sell stuff. That's <laughs> so. I, don't know, I just thought it was interesting. Is there anything that really stuck out to you guys, or did you guys have any specific questions on specific teams or anything like that that you wanted to dive into, or does it has it mostly panned out the way you th- is that is that what you expected, or does any of that surprise you? No, I mean it makes sense given, like I said, what happened at the beginning of the split with TSM and Team Liquid. The numbers in NA kind of make sense given that, and then <clears throat> G two. Uh, Fnatic and OG have been so much better than the rest of Europe that it kind of makes sense that the dominant favorites have been crushing in Europe. I mean, that's what we've all been witnessing as well. So not too surprising that that numbers-wise that ends up being the result. I'll make a note too. Um, So of the the underdog, the heavy favorites in in Europe, we mentioned they are 28 and 5, like long favorites I call it, right? Three of those losses are G2. Yeah. So outside of those G two upset losses, there have been two upsets, like big upsets. I think it was uh, who who was it? I'm trying to think. Fnatic has a has a big upset loss. That Schalke. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who 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 was it besides those. I have to figure it out. Once I I can pull it up. But does any of this? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and find that real quick. But does, Calvin, does any of this like surprise you, or is there anything that you you were interested in? No, I don't think anything really surprised me. 
Uh, I actually, except for probably CLG, I think I bet at them pretty, pretty hardcore for their first half. I was really, I don't even know, like, I was really bad on them. I want, I was pretty high on them, and I still kept betting them. <laughs> and no, they, I'm with you on that. I was, I definitely thought CLG was going to turn around at the beginning of the season and put a, a number of attacks into them, and then yeah. the same thing happened to me with Shalka too. I thought Shalka was going to turn that around at some point. Like, even yeah. if Forgiven. Even if Forgiven was average, I just thought Abadage and Odawamne was like a good enough combination that they'd figured out, and so those same. two teams hurt definitely. So the the two non G two big upsets were Origin against Fnatic in week one, day one, and Misfits against Origin in week three. Uh, Misfits were plus two forty six. OG really, what's been what's been keeping me alive was not believing in Dignitas and Immortals. That's the only <laughs> That's, that's what kept me afloat here is that I continued to bet and play against Immortals and Dignitas when people were buying into those guys. So that's that. Thank you for keeping me alive there, Immortals and Dignitas. <laughs> thank you for being bad. who you are. I didn't yeah, bad for me. I I was just so bad at NA. <laughs> yeah, NA has been pretty good for me. LG, LEC, LCK, and, and uh, obviously the first two weeks I would be all were pretty good. I felt like I was more comfortable with that. For some reason, I, was, I don't know. And it was just kind of just an enigma, to be honest with you, for me. Some teams are kind of, I don't know. See, the thing is, like, when, when, when it, it's weird. When a league is back and forth like that, it can feel like the streaks are going to happen. Like, the variance is going to kick in a lot more, where it's going to feel like you can't get a read on things. But it's always a lot better from a betting standpoint when a league has a lot of parity like that, as opposed to Europe, where, like, there's only one line of play that works basically right where in north america is like yeah you have to time some things right but if there's a lot of parity in a league you can kind of play value and eventually it'll come out on top whereas when there, there's in, in other words like there's a number of avenues to victory in in approaching na from a profitability standpoint same with korea so far whereas in europe there's basically been only like one and a half ways yeah. Right. And like not and parlay is like not, a lot of books won't even let you parlay. So um so like there's really been you had to be like in this exact lane of traffic in order to get through in Europe for a profitable number. So I just thought it was interesting uh and I know we kind of like went into into the weeds a little bit there but uh just to give like this is a good cuz it's like a halfway point breakdown too so we kind of see what's been happening so far and we can use that moving forward. Um yeah. You guys want to go into the slate? You guys ready for this? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. So, Korea, there's only one match. I figured we could just briefly touch on it. It's the last match of the first round robin and the last match for the hiatus. It's Griffin plus 144 against KT Rolster minus 178. The KT Rolster minus 1.5 is at plus 178. Uh, oh, my God. These two I'm teams. Staying away. I'm staying away from uh, Griffin from now on. I'm not a believer in H-Dragon. Dude, I, I'm with you. Like, Griffin are in timeout for me. Like, it, it sucks so bad because this team has so much talent. Like, so much. How do you have Nahun on the bench and you're not a good team? I don't get it. I don't get it. Turns out, I do get it because coaching is what matters more than players right now. I was actually kind of going off on, on Twitter about this yesterday and today with the Hama Life APK series. And I don't want to say that players don't matter right now. They just matter a lot less than they usually do. Like, in years past, like, if you had a, a matchup advantage in a given lane or, like, if you're just players, if your players were just better overall, 
by like a big enough margin, like that was just enough to to heavily put tip the scales in your favor. I think in the current state of the game, the player should like we should downgrade that weight to like tiebreaker status, and that's it. Like in other words, if you had two teams, uh, I mean, let's take that example: APK and Hanwha, right? I think objectively, you look at the rosters. Hanwha are just a better roster, right? Yeah, I don't think anybody would disagree with that, right? APK, yeah, for sure. So APK, they're just not a good roster. Like they're okay, but they're they're not a good roster. Like they don't have. I don't think they have a better player at any position compared to Hanwha, and Hanwha is probably the ninth best team, right? Maybe Griffin now. They, I don't think they have a better player at any position. So, in years past, that's enough of a reason to be like, okay, they're, that's 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 something that I need to consider heavily. Nowadays, I think it matters a lot less than it did before. Like, you can use that. It still matters because players, depth of champion pool, depth of strategy, ability to, to play different roles in a team, that, that all goes into what makes a good player – I just think it matters a lot less now, and you should you should downgrade that to like tiebreaker status, like small advantage, as opposed to like a medium or large advantage, like you would have in years past, right? And we've seen that that's more or less played out in you know the current state of the game, where drafting has mattered so much everywhere. This isn't just a Korea exclusive thing. So, and this is like, don't you feel? And this happens in other sports to some degree as well. But like, isn't it absolutely ridiculous that the people that are at the very top? Are not getting some some of this stuff right when it comes to drafting, yeah. like you're like it's just really for me ridiculous. And I know that this happens in other sports too. Esports is not the only place that this happens. You know, the Seattle many, Seahawks yeah. in the NFL. You know how many football and basketball coaches have been known for years that they just never get it right, and they still just have jobs out up there somehow because they know people. There's and still been people that think while, they're but, good. People think yeah. Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, and Mike Tomlin are like the poster children for this. Oh yeah, in the for NFL sure. where. Everyone thinks they're good coaches, and from an organizational standpoint, yeah, they might be. They're you know good motivators. Players love them. Players play for them. That's that is something that matters. They are not good X's and O's coaches. Like ob- like objectively, like you can just like in a vacuum look at their play calling. Not good. Yeah, and I think you see a lot of that kind of thing. And people just have these like reputation, but they they're carried by their reputation and their success, right? Yeah. And you have to wonder, like, how much of Pete Carroll's success is Russell Wilson just being a beast? Yep. Right? I, and, uh, I think we're in for a revolution in esports in the next, like, five years where we start dumping some of the dead weight. Not only yep. in coaching, by the way. Uh, people always harp on coaches, and I do harp on coaches plenty. But there's other people, too. General managers matter a lot, in yep. my opinion. And I think we have a lot of – I think we have a lot worse general managers than we have coaches. Uh and even assistant coaches, the way that they run their scrims, I hear some horror stories. Like, I'm not exactly an insider, but I do talk to some people that are involved with the teams. And I hear some horror stories about the way that these teams practice and the way that they scrim and some of that kind of stuff where it's just like, of course they're not. Like, of course they're doing badly. Like, this is just such an unprofessional way to be conducting business. Of course they're yeah. doing poorly. Like, yeah, I think we're going to really see a revolution in the next, like, five years in the administrative positions in League of Legends. Yeah, they were actually talking about that on, on JLXP this week, about how, like, there's different teams that have different scrim schedules and why and, like, who's dictating what and all this. It's, it was actually a really interesting conversation, but, it, like, it spoke a lot to that point about, like, management. I've heard a lot. What I've heard a lot, and I mean, I don't mean to totally tangent this, but what I've heard a lot is 
that there's no like focused idea of what they're doing in scrims. They just like sit down to a game and they're just like, basically let's just play a five on five and see how it goes. They're like, they're not even talking about what specific strategies they want to practice, what specific champions they want to practice. They just, you know, pop in and sometimes there's not even a coach talking to them about what picks they should make. They're just locking in whatever they feel like playing at that moment. Like it's just a terrible way to practice. If you're then going to go on stage and try to do something different, you know, I'll, I'll say as somebody that, uh, used to be a stage performer uh you need to practice the way you're going to perform like period like that if there's one thing i mean if there's one thing music school taught me (laughs) if there's one thing it taught me is that you need to have don't don't assume that you're going to turn it on on stage you can't do that like that's just not how you can operate yeah and i mean i'm talking down to like the most granular minuscule details like you have to be so perfectionist about everything and it, it's weird. They were they were talking about this like from the context of, you know, going from three scrim blocks of three hours to one scrim block of five hours per day, mm. and how like it's just a more focused like work day style when you do it that way. Especially because apparently people still just show up late to these things and aren't ready for things, which is yep. Anyway, that's like a whole different topic we could probably go into another time. But um, yeah, we'll have to do an off-season pod or something about that. I got so many thoughts on yeah, that topic. It's, it's really it's it's interesting stuff. But like, yeah, uh, where were we? I totally lost track. Korea. We did the LTK. Yeah. yeah so, uh, Griffin and KT Rolster. KT Rolster. KT Rolster are they remind me of like WE last year? Not in that they're playing the same way, but big picture, KT Rolster are like look we have a way we like to play and we know it's not optimal and we don't care. We're just going to get really, really good at the, at, at this way to play. And this roster like has good players. We've talked about this, like KT's role. KT's roster is good, uh, but they're playing really, really all in on early game and, and pace and trying to go under. They're basically trying to go underneath the meta. They're playing, they're playing the burn, the burn deck or the aggro deck in magic while everyone else is playing control. Right. And, if you don't get there in 25 minutes, you're probably losing the game. But they're okay with that. They they know what they're signing up for. And I like, recently, I like that they've actually, like, they've catered their drafts in a way that, that they're, it's uniform. It makes sense. Everything is philosophically aligned, right? They're yeah. not picking Elise and then two scaling lanes. Yeah. They're picking Elise with, two like, two or three lanes that have CC that you can gank or two or three lanes that have priority so the Elise can go screw the other jungler up. Right, and it all yeah. makes sense. It's very all in, but I respect that KT have this philosophical alignment from the way their players are playing to their drafts, and even if it's a suboptimal strategy, it makes sense. Right, so I like KT in this spot, but Griffin have enough talent that it's pretty tough. I, I'm I'm actually probably going to lay the money with KT Rolster here. I like that. I like that. It just makes oh, I sense. Like I, I don't think they're going to two. I mean, they could two zero, but I wouldn't bet on the two zero just with like the the style of game they're playing, where it's like too easy for them not to snowball really hard. So, yeah, it, I think it just really yeah, it just really depends on. I just feel like in general, Griffin themselves can just forget about uh, the coaching staff in general, like they did last that's, year. That's how I feel about Griffin. Is like it, it feels so wrong, like. I, there's just too much talent for me to think that Griffin, 100%. like every single series, Griffin could take a game. And it's funny because we touted like Tarzan literally to be one of the best junglers in the world, and they just 
honestly, they just seem they just still seem like they just want to play. To be honest with you, yeah, they're they're in a they're in a weird funk, and uh, maybe maybe they're just like, look, let's go into the break on a good note, and they get up for this game, and they have a good plan, or they just completely one eighty and do something different. But like, it's just so hard when you have players of the caliber of players on this team. It's so hard to be like they suck, right? Like you like like you look at this roster. It's like how could this team possibly have two wins? Yeah, right. Like it's even in a competitive region. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so that's gonna be the last match in the LCK until you know, and then we got to see where the hiatus goes. Uh, the LPL starts up on Monday. We're not gonna go over the LPL slate just for time considerations. But keep in mind that the LPL is moving to a three-game, two-game. Most of the days are going to be three games uh, just to compensate for the lost time from the the you know hiatus that the LPL took and that it's all going to be played online now. Uh, I don't think that's going to impact anything like ping-wise or anything. I, that, that, that would actually be a fascinating thing to talk about. Like if anybody has an in on that or like kind of a concept of like where these teams play, where their facilities are, is the ping going to be like 60 versus 10, you know, like, cause that could come into play at this point. Yeah. It could be an edge. Like actually that could be an edge. And I, I'm, I'm curious if there's any, uh, I'm going to have to look into this now. <laughs> Maybe that's a weekend project, but uh, we're not going to go over the whole slate. Just know um, I, I'll just pitch this to you guys. Cause we're, we're going to go like big picture on this. How are you approaching the start of the LP, the restart of the LPL, because I'm treating it like week one again. That's basically how I'm looking at it. Just look at it like it's week one all over again. Um, we have a little bit of data point, but honestly, I, I'm spent planning on spending a lot of this upcoming weekend kind of refreshing myself on the LPL because it's been gone for so long. So my opinions on the LPL are not super strong right now. Yeah. Um, I probably take a lot of underdogs early on, most surprised. But I'm also kind of weighing in on just talent level of the roster and just knowing stylistically how teams play. Like obviously anything could happen, things can change. But you know, as an avid LPL watcher, I am. A lot of them are really uh, self-centered and really arrogant on when it comes to changing uh, their style of play. So hopefully, I can take that into the next couple weeks and profit off it. I think, I think what's really, really interesting is that normally the LPL, normally Korea and China are the first regions to start. They have a big head start. Korea got a late start this season. So we got to see the West before the East. Well, I mean, besides the week and a half of LPL we saw. And now China has had almost a month and a half, right? to look at what everyone else is doing and see how they've approached the metagame. Whereas before they were just kind of like this isolated, like, you know, thing where they had their own. China has always had its own metagame. It's always really, really weird because there's so many teams and so many players that, and it's a long season that they're willing to try different things. But I'm curious to see if there's going to be that personal touch, I guess is the way to put it for each of these teams or if it's going to be more homogenized like like the west usually is or or you know like korea ends up being a lot of the time where because now that they've seen it maybe they're like oh i think that's the optimal way to play maybe it's a little more homogenized than normal Do, any any thoughts on that 
I don't think so. Maybe just a little bit, but I think they're trying to... I don't think they're going to go into that. I don't know. I don't think they're going to copy the LCK or anything. I don't know. Like, I mean, I think Strap is just pretty simple in general right now, so everyone gets that concept. I think everyone's still just going to have their own play style. And, and that's just really it. I don't think, like... I feel like I also don't think any region knows really how to play the game, in my opinion. So. See, it's weird. I, I mean, I've been I've been on the on the boat about like the I think the top three teams in Korea have a really strong grasp on the game right now, like how to play it, what's important, and what's like how to draft. And you know, I, I've I've talked about this a little bit, but like to me, the 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 game is very very like binary right now. You're either yeah. playing. To avoid mistakes, scale, avoid mistakes, minimize losses, and like that's a very clear win condition, or you're going underneath that. And we've seen that anybody in the middle ground, good team or bad team, if you're just in that middle ground or you're indecisive about what you're doing, it loses. Like almost all the time. Unless there's a drastic difference or something weird in the game happens. If you're not like all in on late or all in on early, you're losing. That that's the way it seemed to me. Like this whole this whole concept of balance and like even like champions that bridge you to late game haven't been that successful for the most part. Like I, I don't know, like maybe I'm seeing that wrong, but like that's the way I've perceived things this season. And I I don't know. I to me I don't the LPL is not built to play this kind of League of Legends. So I kind of think that they're just gonna do their own thing and it's gonna be like usual, even though we've had the long layoff. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of the LPL teams have very, like, much more uh, specific identities than a lot of the teams in the regions we're seeing right now. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, honestly, I think the, the best region right now is Europe. I think Origin, Fnatic, and, and G2 are all playing very good styles that are malleable. They get, they've yeah. played ailing comps, they've played, like, aggressive snowball comps, they play, you know, sort of early early scaling comps. Uh, I I really think those three teams have all done a really fantastic job so far. I I think Origin have a great feel for the game right now. Like I'm actually like I I love what Origin's done this season. Like I think they're I think they're playing well, which is an added bonus. But like Origin are what they are. It the game just fits them right. This Origin is like exactly the same as they were last season. Now last week, obviously, they showed the different wrinkle trying to snowball and go early game. Yeah, and it was a little bit sloppy, and you could tell it's like okay, we're trying this new thing, but I think like Origin, and like I said, I think Origin and the top three teams in Korea and Cloud Nine is doing their own thing. Cloud Nine is playing like G two basically, like they're just they're they're trying to get games over. Yeah, and I kind of think that's how the L. I think the LPL is going to be more like G two Cloud Nine and Fnatic. Yeah. Mostly just because, like, that's how they've always been. You know, like, the, the, the LPL is, you're right, they always have their own identity on things. So, I think it's it's interesting, and we're going to know pretty quickly, like, yeah. within the first week. is like, oh, is the LPL just going to copycat, or are they going to be their own thing? And we'll know right away. Like, if we see, like, you know, 60 different champion picks in the first week or something, <laughs> then we'll know, right? So, and it's going to be really interesting is because we're going to get a huge sample size very, very quickly. It's going to be a lot to keep up with in the LPL, so that's going to be really, really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to be on underdogs a lot, mostly because I think a lot of the prices on this initial slate are just way off, and we'll, 
like I said, I don't want to go into the individual slate, but I got my own. I think, Cal, you're on the same thing as me. I got my own JDG and OMG this week, who are big dogs. Um, yeah. I even kind of okay. like V. Think about it. Interesting point. Vici, now with. We were concerned about Coma going there and how, like, during their offseason, he didn't get there until late. Now they've had an extended offseason with Coma. Now. I got to say, in relation to the Coma thing, while we're going into that. I'm starting to trust teams more and more when I hear that a major free agent of any kind has been let go, like, and not re-signed. I'm starting to more and more trust that the teams know what they're doing to have let that person go. Are you talking about Jackie Love? I'm talking about, like, everybody. Like, there's been a bunch of things recently where I was like, man, I don't know how you let that guy go if you're this team. And then whenever they go to their new team, generally speaking, they've been pretty bad. And so I'm starting to really get the feeling that these teams are – with both coaches and players, if they're letting in a big name go and you're wondering why and it wasn't for some absurd amount of money or something, maybe you should we should start trusting that they let him go for a reason. Coma I, just maybe is a little washed up. I'm not saying for sure, but it might just be that uh that I mean, they we'll rest- see. Like we're gonna that we're gonna find out too. Like I mean I think he has a huge problem in the mid lane. <laughs> yeah. Like that's gonna be a, an obstacle to overcome. <laughs> but uh I don't know, maybe it's 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 so funny how like we we preach that organizations tend to be incompetent a lot on this show because we've seen like we've seen you know organizational incompetency enough to know like okay like this is what you should expect and anybody that is not doing that is the exception right but there are some orgs that know what they're doing yeah right and their talent evaluation is good but. Yeah, I don't. So that was just like kind of big picture on the LPL. Like, I, I mean, I'm gonna be, I'm treating it like a week one again, is more or less where I'm at. Like, I'm treating it like a week one where it's less the Wild West than a normal week one would be. Because normally in week one, nobody has figured the meta game out. Everyone's kind of exploring and feeling things out. The LPL has not only had a sample size from other regions to look at, but they've also been scrimming and honing things for two months now or month and a half. So. There's a chance this comes out and it's just like fairly solved. And if in that, if that's the case, we've talked about this before. Early in the season, I like underdogs because that is the closest that gap is going to be between those teams for the rest of the season. Because once everything starts kicking into gear and patches happen and adjustments have to happen, then the good teams and better organizations tend to come out on top, like over an extended sample size. So, yeah, I'm going to be on underdogs a lot <clears throat> in week one. So. Yeah, LPL. Do we do an actual slate? Yeah, or- yeah, yeah, all right, all right, good. So here we go. Actual slate. Uh, we'll go to Europe. Um, oof. Yeah. So uh, Friday, we have Vitality plus 403, Rogue minus 550. Nah. Okay. Uh, dude, Vitality have looked a little bit better. Skeens has been on fire. Like, I, he, my man's playing with a – like, he's he's killing it. They haven't always been able to translate things, but he's been getting them early leads. I, I kind of like Vitality looks good. I don't know why did they start Jack Troll on Saturday. Yeah, it's a little weird, right? Like I mean, why? He also put that he was underrated in the thing. Did you guys see that? They no, did like I a didn't. poll. They did a poll of all the LEC players, and they asked like who's the most overrated and who's the most underrated. And Jack Troll said that he was the most underrated, and that all the rookie supports were the most overrated. 
<laughs> it was wow. just like, was like, oh, out. Okay, Jack Troll. Classic, but, uh, classic boomer behavior. He, is, is he an esports boomer? <laughs> I think he is. Think he like, is it possible to be a boomer when you're like 20 or whatever he is? Like, I don't even know. But I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to be looking at these lines in both NA and EU. I'm going to be on a lot of dogs this week. I think I like Vitality at 403. I mean, that's <laughs> a big number. It's a There's a lot of big number. numbers. There's like when a number gets over like 400 for me as a as an underdog, and they're and they're both professional LEC or LCS teams. I usually need to feel something really special about the favorite to not want to consider taking the underdog, and I don't feel anything special about Rogue. Yeah. I think I'm I'm pretty happy taking Vitality at 403. You know, it's funny. Like we, I was willing to take a couple shots against Cloud Nine over the last two weeks, and I mean, do I think Cloud9 are playing out of their mind right now? Yes, but, like, is Rogue Cloud9? No, I mean, Rogue, I I just haven't generally been that impressed with Rogue. Even last weekend, I did take an L betting uh, XL against Rogue, but I just have not been that impressed with Rogue. And if you're going to give me 403 on any other team... Do they seem like they're just in a weird... They're also in, like, a weird funk, right? Like, where they just, like, can't... There's they something going on with this team. Like I don't know what it is. It's hard to put a finger on. Like they've maintained being the most conservative team in the league, which is something I do not like in the LEC. It's not what got them where they were. Like they they were the opposite last season. They were good at it. Yep, and they have players that I I don't think thrive in a conservative style. And so yeah, something tells me that that they might blow up a little bit at some point uh, negatively. Uh, because I think they they're not just not playing an optimal strategy for their players, so I, I like four or three on Vitality. Yeah, I'm gonna take a shot on Vitality. I think not a lot, but no. Chris, Cal, thoughts Stand on Vitality away. Rogue? I, I I'm just gonna avoid betting on this one. I don't I don't know. I, I just don't think Vitality is that good, in my opinion. I'd rather be on Rogue. Yeah, I don't think they're that good either, but I just don't think I wouldn't even lay a shot. I mean, maybe it gets half a unit, if anything else. But That's that's where I'm at. It's just yeah. like half weight. Like, the value is just too much. Like, 400 is 20% implied odds. Like, there's more than 20% chance Vitality win this game. Especially given, like, like I said, like, Skeens has been on fire the last, like, two or three weeks. They haven't always been able to translate that. But we've seen, like, Rogue haven't been successful playing this like overly conservative style. Like they've identified that that's what they want to do. And even if we think it's wrong for them to approach it that way with this specific roster, they've identified that and they still haven't been great at it. Yeah. So if this was like origin, if this was origin or something, okay, I'd I'd avoid it. Like I'm not taking a shot against origin because origin almost never lose to bad teams, but like I could see rogue losing this match. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kill spreads eight and a half, by the way, that's intriguing as well. Vitality plus eight and a half. I could take that too. Um, Excel plus one fifty nine. Misfits minus one ninety five. Pick of the week. Take an XL. Yeah, I'm continuing. I'm continuing to pound XL. I'm continuing to pound against Misfits. I I think Misfits is on the way down. It's not that they're not going to win games from here on out. They're going to, but I think they're definitely going to move back from from where they've been. And I think Excel's a pretty good team. I'll take 159 on them. I think what's interesting about Misfits is whether or not the market's going to correct on it or not. 
Because if the market never corrects on it, then it's just going to be a value to bet against them the rest of the season. But I also don't think they're necessarily going to crash and burn either. Like, I think this is a pretty good yeah. team. Like, yeah, I, I don't I, think they're crashing and burn. Yeah, like, we talked about it last week, how, like, I think we all universally agree that this team was, is way better than we thought they were going to be. It's just a matter of how good are they actually. And here's the biggest thing for me. And we've talked about the coaching and stuff. Excel needs the right game plan for this matchup because I think they'll win if they have the right game plan. And that is because Misfits runs through Febivin and Mickey is completely feast or famine. Yep. If they run this game through the mid lane and have Mickey beat down Febivin and just have the jungler there all the time and just gank him over and over again and have Mickey play an aggressive snowball-y pick, I think they just smash Misfits. But I don't know how much I trust these teams to come up with the correct strategy. But we saw we saw the Mickey Pantheon game earlier this season where he got help in the mid lane and they put their money on Mickey to do well. Well, Pantheon's also broken, so that's part of it. But I think if they put him on any champion that can snowball and they just show him all the attention from the support and jungle and just let him beat down on Febivin, I think that's, that's like a guaranteed win for Excel. For I kind of think it's simpler than that in that just don't give Febivin his good picks. Like, I think you might beat him down because Mickey is so feast or famine. I'll, I'll say this: what's what's interesting is like in, and we kind of saw this this morning in Korea where uh, we saw Kana against Keen this morning in the top lane, where hmm. Kana was just able to play the Karma and just neutralize Keen, like just basically canceled him out of the game, and from that point T one just have a better roster, right? Yeah. So if you take Keen out of the equation. If you take Febivin out of the equation, the, the thing is, it's a lot harder to do that in a short in the mid lane because it's a shorter lane and the matchups are a lot less volatile than they are in the top lane. So there isn't really like a karma for the top lane, right? Yeah. Like if the I, other person's going to play a Z or yeah, there's things like Vagar or like you know like there's things like that that can play well against it or like Zareth or Ziggs or you know whatever. There's things, but there's nothing that actually just like straight up bodies a yeah. So like the Azirs of the world, the Orianas of the world, there's very few things that actually just like dump on those picks. There are things that are pretty good plus matchups, but there's no like plus plus matchups. Like and because of the short lane, it's a lot harder to punish a mid laner yeah. than it is to punish a top laner. So like it's not always as simple as shutting down Oh, it's we just need to shut Fabivin down. I think but what you can do is prevent him from doing his thing. Right? Like don't let him get his outer lanes ahead. Don't give him a good split pushing champion. Don't give him his premier picks, LeBlanc or Azir, right? I I think there's enough that they can do, and I, I trust Young Buck to, to come up with a good game plan for this. But I think I, it's a really oh sorry. No, good. I, I think it's a really exciting matchup because it's one of the most lopsided matchups we have lane by lane. I think XL's bottom lane is so much better than Misfit's yep. bottom lane, but Dan Dan is also a lot better than expect. And so the mid lane is where it comes down to for See, me. I think Dan Dan's like kind of feast or famine too. Like I think Dan Dan, like he's not as feast or famine as Mickey, but I think he's yeah. closer to Mickey than not. I think yeah. he's better than expect by a decent margin, but I also think Torre and Patrick are way better than than B Boy and Denik. So for me, it's just going to come down to like what happens in that mid jungle and who do they help and who do they decide to focus on and and can the lanes get leads on their own it's going to be this for me is like one of my favorite matchups of the weekend just for as a yeah, viewer i i'd agree yeah. i i i think this is mostly i mean to be honest with you i think this is just the value is just too good in this spot mm-hmm. like if you just like isolate these teams 
like isolate the individual matchups and our, our thought process on what we think the game plan should be. Just looking at this and being like, okay, these this should be closer to even money. Yeah. Like just like with these two teams, Cal, Chris, you guys agree, disagree? Yeah, you know, after talking about it, I was talking to myself on Misfits for a bit, and then just hearing what you guys had to say, it actually just makes a lot of sense that I think that Excel's bot lane is a lot better, and Excel's been playing pretty well. I do believe in Young Buck. I don't know. I also love Misfits, and I don't know if they're just going to stay stagnant or not, but it's hard for me. I mean, the line's good enough, so I'll bet it for sure um, on Excel, but I don't know. I still kind of it's still kind of iffy on me. It's just still kind of iffy on me. I, I think people are overreacting to that sixteen to two loss, like when they mm-hmm. got absolutely destroyed on Friday. And I actually wrote about this going into Saturday because I bet them again on Saturday. I think people yep. like way way freaked out about that. I, I, I and I actually ended up writing this big long spiel about how it's really really easy in the current state of the game to make one mistake and just get blown out in a game and you look a lot worse than you actually are. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not like last year where, like, it takes a few mistakes to lose a game. You can lose a game on one mistake that happens five minutes into the game right now. Yeah. Just because it's so the, – the the tools of snowball are very, very strong. And unless you're a team that can hyperscale and, like, you know, play for the 30-plus minute mark, it's really difficult. Like, you just get run over. We saw we saw T1, who looked like one of the best teams in the world right now, just get run over by Afrika this morning, who were also mm-hmm. good, but they played a snowball comp and – you can just get run over and look really, really, really bad, right? I think that's kind of what happened. It's really easy to look bad in this metagame, so don't overreact to – if it's a consistent thing, yes, it's a reason to be concerned. One game, don't overreact to it. That's That should just be in general, especially now. Uh, Chris, do you like Excel or Misfits here? I mean, I think I like Excel. Um, betting makes sense, but I think uh... – it's going to be closer than I would like. So, would y'all take King XL on this one? Yeah, you stole my pick of the week, John. I like this match way too much. Next yeah. up, we have Schalke, plus 238, Mad Lions, minus 303. I Dude. think there is a way that Schalke wins this. I do, too. I honestly think there is a way that Schalke wins this match. And I think I there's don't... a way they can win, but I'm out. I might lay. I might lay heavy. Dude, this is like Shalka have looked better. I'm not saying they're good, just better. (laughs) Like, so uh, let's let's like do a litmus test here. Like Shalka better than Vitality and SK. Yes, I think Vitality's better than Shalka. Same Vitality better than Shalka by a lot, by a little, little. Yeah, very close. I think Shock is better than Vitality, but like, do we all agree SK is the worst team in the league? Yes. Okay, I think SK is the worst team in the league. <laughs> so, all right, that's that's kind of interesting. Like, cause I, I think Vitality and Shalka have actually looked better in recent weeks because they, it looks like they've they've realized everything and just like relaxed and are just playing now. Like they're like less uptight, they're more loose, they're willing to like, which I normally wouldn't like in a meta game like this, but when you're a big underdog, I do like it. Yeah, I want you playing that style. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. I have a feeling this line might get inflated the more people start like laying on parlays for Mad Lions and everything. And, again, let's bring up that trend from Europe where like heavy favorites like this are 28-5. and five. 
So maybe we're getting a little too cute. Or you could look at it the other way and be like, okay, like if there's due for some regression there where some more upsets happen. Interesting. Yeah, nothing for me. I think Mad's good. I'm, I'm probably going to pass this game. Mad, Mad has, you know, as much as I want to hate on Mad, I just have not been able to get the right read on this team at all, and I think they are just good. Wow, look at this one. Yeah, Origin plus 166. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I will actually double-check that to make sure it's right because I might have just typed that's, it wrong. Anyway, uh, next up we have Origin plus 166, G2 minus 205. Uh, I actually wrote up on this already. Um, so this looks like Origin, right? This looks like an easy bet on Origin. I'm going to pull this up for you guys because it's like actually super interesting. I went back and looked – over the last year, because I think with the, with these two teams specifically, you can actually look at some historical data because not a lot has changed besides the game, right? And upset, yeah, upset yeah. is the, the real thing. So, since the beginning of 2019, G2 are 4-1 in the regular season, and they've swept both playoff series that these teams played 3-0. So... G2 has won 10 out of the last 11 matches. The last time they lost was the first week of spring last year. So G2 have won 10 in a row against Origin. And we've talked about this a lot. We talked about it during that during spring last year, how Origin are so, so good against teams that are worse than them by design. Like, they are a by-the-book fundamental... Like, I, I use the comparison that it's classical versus jazz. Right, origin or classical, very structured, follows the rules. It's about precision and and all of this. G two are more improvisational and they're creative and they break the rules all the time. Right, origin have been unable to solve this team. They just can't do it for whatever reason. I don't know if it's like by design, a mental block, whatever. I think a lot of people are going to be tempted to take origin because of the current state of the game and because G two have actually lost games this split, but. I'm either staying away or I'm going to be light on G2 because Origin have shown time and time again through a number of different metagames that they are unable to solve. This might be the best possible metagame for Origin, and I still don't trust them to win this. I have a fairly strong opinion on this match as well. uh, I agree with you. I think G2 is going to beat the dog shit out of Origin in this matchup. Yeah. I, I really think, and I, and I agree with you that when you first look at these lines, given everything we've seen this season, it kind of feels like you should go Origin. <clears throat> but I really think G2 is just going to dumpster them. When you look at also G2's losses, they don't really lose more to good teams than bad teams. It's not like the other better teams have a better chance of beating G2. Outside of Fnatic in their playoff series, they pretty much lose when they are doing something wrong for the most part, when they are getting too cheeky or, and they've had losses that weren't that way. Yeah, Like this season, I think like two of their losses were straight up. Like it wasn't them getting too cute or drafting weird. Like they've just lost straight up. uh, Yeah. And I think, but I think that their losses are not based on how good their opponents are. They don't, they're not more likely to lose to origin than they are to lose to like middle of the table teams. I think a lot of the time. So and I also think that they come in significantly more motivated and don't play around nearly as much when they're playing against these other top-of-the-table teams. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think G2 is going to destroy Origin. I'm going to bet G2 here at minus 205. Yeah, it's weird. I actually think this is, like, weirdly a value. 
Like, yeah. give, given the history between these two teams, like, you're telling me it's like a 64, like, what is it, 66, right? It's 200. It's a very bizarre and interesting spot, but yeah. yeah. It's, it, this is one of those ones where it's like, and I'll, again, I'll reference it again, favorites of, you know, this magnitude. Oh, I can't repel firepower of that magnitude. <laughs> uh, favorites in this range are 12 and 7 also. And how often do we get G2 in this range? It's not very often, right? Yeah. I'm taking a look um, just quickly, like, how G2 have done against, like, the other perceived top teams this season. I'm taking a look at the Fnatic match real quick. So G2, just to give you guys an idea, G2 smashed Fnatic 25 to 9. <laughs> it wasn't really a smashing because Fnatic got three dragons in this game, but it was 25 to 9 in a 30, 31 minute win. And that's Fnatic, who I think present a different kind of challenge. A challenge that G2 has had a tougher time with. Has had a tougher time with, and they still smashed him. I think people are, are getting a little too cute because G2 have lost games that everyone thinks that. The, to me, the time has passed. They've dropped the games they're going to drop this season. I think G2 is just going to like win out, probably. Maybe they'll drop yeah. one more. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's, that's oh, how it is. Where's think. the troll cycle? We'll wait until like week eight. That's, yeah. <laughs> next week. We next week. week right? uh, Calvin, Chris, any love for Origin, or are you guys on G2 as well? Yeah. I think GG is gonna smash him. I don't think you guys missed out on anything. This is it. Uh, G two. G two. It is unanimous. SK plus five eighty four against Fnatic minus eight fifty eight. The kill spread is ten and a half. <laughs> ten, by the way, a ten and a half kill spread in a meta game. Uh, it's a ten and a half kill spread. The total kills in this game is twenty four and a half. This is like <laughs> the League of Legends equivalent to like an over under of. Uh, it's like a, the League of Legends equivalent of an over/under of like, or like a total, like an NFL total of like thirty-seven and a spread of ten. Like it's insane. Like I, I don't know. I would dabble in the kill spread honestly, because Fnatic tend to be a little messy, even though they Fnatic are gonna smash this game. But they, I would dabble in the kill spread, but that's it. I, I'm not. I'm not messing with this. And as we've seen in Europe, like the big favorites have been covering for the most parts or they've been they've taking care of business. So I'm not going to yeah. mess with this one. And I said, when I see a number over plus 400, I want the other team to be pretty special. And I think Fnatic's pretty special. I'm yeah, not I, I do too. Oh, well, Fnatic, the cool thing with Fnatic is they don't give you the window to take the 50, 50. Yeah. That's why I like about, see Fnatic are a good example of, of, of what you should do as an up-tempo team. Philosophical alignment in the draft. We talked about this with, with a freak of this morning, right? Like when they have their their take on the game is go underneath the scaling because I don't want the game to get closer to fifty fifty, which is why I'm okay with that strategy, even though it hasn't proven to be like overall the best because it's more execution based. But like they're a good enough team to execute on it, and it's like in their wheelhouse anyway. So I think Fnatic weirdly are kind of like origin in that they're not, they're not going to lose games to bad teams, but I could see them losing games to good teams. Like I can see Fnatic losing a game to like rogue or misfits or Excel or origin, but they're not going to lose to like the really, really bad teams. Cause they're just not going to have a window to get in. I agree. Uh, Saturday misfits plus plus one sixty, origin minus minus one ninety seven. Give me origin here. Yeah. Give me origin. I'm, I'm laying big favorites again. Like I, I like, kind of like Origin G2 Parlay. Origin yeah. versus 
G2 versus Origin. I like that. And uh, <clears throat> I think you could leave out the G2 Fanatic game we're going to talk about later, but I, I like that parlay. Yeah. Chris, any thoughts on this one? It's straight up uh, Origin. Is it because Misfits are overrated or because Origin just don't lose to good teams or a combination of both? Like, this is crunch them, right? Like, last time they got caught off guard by whatever Misfit was throwing out there. I don't think they want to lose to this team twice. And um, Origin is just, they got to establish themselves as the third best or (laughs) trying to put a second best. I think they're they're not going to make the same mistakes and uh, underestimate Misfit. I think the... The argument, like the pro misfits argument here, is that we saw last week that Origin are trying new things. True. So if they're doing that again, then I could see misfits winning this. But I also think that, like, let me just pull the standings up real quick. They're gonna lose a game to G two the day before this as well. I don't think they're gonna be in the in the yeah. Like if they if they if they played against like SK the first day and just smashed and they feel like they have some some cushion to maybe try something. Then again, dude, this is another spot where, like, the spring split doesn't matter thing is, like, creeping into my psyche here, right? Maybe they're just cool with experimenting the rest of the season. Could be. I mean, they they have – they're 9-3. and Currently – so Europe, there's basically seven teams battling for six spots. Because Schalke, SK, and Vitality are too far out to – realistically make playoffs, right? They're not mathematically eliminated, but they're more or less eliminated. So if Origin I mean they have two games up on on Mad Lions and Rogue and three games up on Excel, maybe they just think that's enough of a cushion that they're willing to experiment. That the thing is though, like when you're in this kind of space and you're operating under those kind of assumptions, like if, if you feel that way, then nothing I say is going to convince you off of misfits, right? Yeah. So that's it. That's really up to you. If you don't, if you think Origin take this seriously, I think there's actually value in Origin here. Uh, Vitality plus two forty six, Excel minus three fifteen. I, I, don't, I don't like this matchup at all. I, I'm just not laying that kind of money with Excel. Yeah, and I don't I think, think Excel two, win this, but enough. yeah, I don't think two forty six is enough on Vitality. Either. Yeah, this is one way. This is like I don't like I don't play a lot of kill spreads, but this is a kill spread game for me because six and a half is a good enough number where I think Excel win by more than that. Yeah, I do kind of like the kill spread. Six and a half, I think, in general, is a good number in in almost any matchup. The winning team is going to average about six and a half better than the losing team, especially in Europe. So it just feels like a kind of low number given like this range of odds. Especially like what we've seen in Europe, where the favorites are cover or basically like taking care of business in every game. So, yeah, I like the kill spread on that game. Uh, Chris, any love for Vitality? No. Well, let's see if they play out Steel. But no, no. It's so weird. It's yeah. so weird that like they've been doing better with Steel back, and they're just like here's Jack Troll, and they just get smashed. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, they, Maybe they, they didn't want to ruin Steelback's mental, but like, he's a he's a veteran. He's been playing for years now, so I don't, I don't know. Ruin his mental? The guy is mental. I know. Like, I, it's so weird. I don't know. It was such a bizarre move. Uh, next up, we have Rogue minus one forty nine against Mad Lions plus one twenty three. This one's also really interesting because Rogue <laughs> have again, like we talked about earlier, like, they're something's going on with this team. They're just weird. 
And like, I, I mean, I want to fade Mad Lions, but like, Mad Lions is the, is the play here, right? This one's tough. I'd like to get better odds on Mad Lions. When I saw that these teams were playing, I thought I would get better odds on Mad Lions, and I thought I would bet them. But I don't. This feels about right to me. I don't think I'm going to end up betting this game. I don't know if you're going to get better odds on Mad Lions, though. Yeah, I wanted to see plus one fifty, plus one sixty, and I don't know if plus one twenty three is enough for me. It's a pass for me, I think. I do kind of like the under in this spot because I think both these teams are going to be really cautious because they're basically battling for a playoff spot. So, yeah, that's a that's an intriguing one. That's probably the, the closest match of the weekend. This I next one, the. Uh... Oh, yeah, the what are you go. made of matchup here? here. What are you made of as a better? So we have SK Gaming plus 107, <clears throat> Schalke minus 129. This is the uh, testicular fortitude matchup for betters out there. Like, so, you have to bet. To if me, you have any strength as a better, you have to bet this game. To me, there's there's two ways to look at this game, and it's not the two sides. If you think that SK are going to be like particularly up for this game, if they like pointed this game out on their schedule and be like, this is our winnable game in the next like two weeks or whatever, like last weekend, this week, if they pointed it out, I actually, let me just pull their schedule up real quick. So SK will play next week. SK get mad lions and origin. So they, they have to be looking at their schedule and be like, this is the game. This is the morale booster. Both these teams have to be feeling like that. But I do feel like, yeah, Schalke is in a similar place, right? Schalke have looked better to me. And we just, yeah. that, that's why I did the litmus test earlier is like, okay, like who's, do we think SK is clearly the worst team? I think we all agree on that. Should Schalke be minus 129 against even SK? Because that's, that's like where the intestinal fortitude comes in, right? I'm telling you, Gelati, this is this is the intestinal fortitude game. If you're a better, you have to bet this game. You have to this this close enough. You got to be able to review some match history, decide who you want in this game at these odds. I don't care which team you take, but if you're not betting this game, you're not a better. For me, it's Schalke. I'm going to be smashing Schalke. Yeah, actually, I'm going to be I'm going to be on Schalke. They've looked better. I, I just think they have better players. Like, yeah, I know that forget. hasn't mattered as much, and we talked about this at at you know length earlier how. We should use that as a tiebreaker, but I think they've looked better recently. I think they've looked much better recently. They look like a new team, honestly. And I think, you know, on top of it, they have better players. I also think yeah. that SK, unlike Vitality and Schalke, I think SK, the, the I guess, like, the doldrums of, like, we suck have really set in. At least it feels that way. Like, this team isn't playing Inspired League of Legends. Like if you just like watch their games, they look like they're checked out. Yeah, and, and people forget also, like just because they brought in Lorox, you know, and they brought in some guys, they still have Abadage and Odawamne. Yep, like guys that are that were top guys last season to to one degree or another. Like SK doesn't have any of those guys. Yeah, their SK best doesn't have a standout top. player. Yeah, so I, this is a smash home run Chalka bet for me. I like adding it to that parlay from yesterday as well. So yeah, I I like Schalke quite a bit here. Just SK look really bad. I don't, I don't think SK is going to win a game the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I don't like SK at all. I think this is an easy Schalke spot. They've also lost six in a row, notably. Yeah, I don't think Schalke. I think SK have, are like one. They're I, I'm pretty sure they're one eleven, or they're I think they're 
I think they're one and eleven as underdogs too. Because <laughs> I think they were favored in week one or something like that. I don't know. It was like really weird. weird. Um, yeah, give me Schalke in this spot. Then we have uh, the new Classico, I guess. Uh, Fnatic plus one twenty seven, G two minus one fifty five. I like G two because you're never going to get a number like this again. If you are like model slash value based, this is probably a Fnatic play or just a pass because if you think these two teams are fairly close, to me this is like gut check. G two are just going to win. Yeah, I it's, think G2's got a 2-0. G2 have week. a really, really weird – like, this is the hardest possible schedule. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm confident G2 are going to win both. Like, that's mm-hmm. – this is like yeah. classic – this is – we identified this. We said this two weeks ago, talking about the G2 troll cycle. Week seven, they got a hard schedule. This is the prove-it week where they're going to be like, look, we're still the top dogs, all right? They're going to smash this week, and then they're going to play, like, whoever they play next week in, like, game one of next week. Who is it? We pointed this out before. They play Rogue next week. They will almost certainly lose that match to Rogue on Friday next week. I'm calling it right now. I'm calling it right now. They're going to take care of business this week, be like, yeah, we're the top dogs. We got this. And they'll almost certainly find a way to lose. They'll almost certainly find a way to lose one of those matches. They play Excel and Rogue next week, so I can see them being a little down spot for one of those. But I don't know. Uh, There's an argument maybe. I think Fnatic's number is not big enough. If you gave me Fnatic at like plus one seventy five, yeah, that's what I mean. Like this is this is probably a pass from a value standpoint, but I to me, I I just think G two are going to win. Like I don't, I I like a G two bet here. This is like a gut cap. Like this isn't this isn't value or metrics or anything. Like it's just like G two are going to win. It's close enough for me to take a shot on it. Uh, Chris, where are you at on Fnatic G two? Yeah, I thought about the Fnatic playing the Fnatic side, and then I thought so hard about self-made, and he is—he's just okay. Yeah, and I just don't think that's enough. And and G two is not going to take this game like lightly or trolling. And I think it's so G two. G two are going to be up for this week. Like with this schedule, there's just no way. I mean, maybe they lose one of these games, but I don't know. I'm not betting on it. I'll take them to win. Mm-hmm. North American LCS Saturday. So the, the NA slate this week is weird. There's a lot of weird numbers coming up here. The, the NA slate is going to be really polarizing, I think, because like it depends on where you're at with certain teams. Because like there's just value all over the place if you have a strong stance on like anybody, basically. <laughs> so Saturday we have Hundred Thieves plus one twenty one against Dignitas minus one forty seven. Keep in mind that uh, Kadeem will be starting for Dignitas, as we mentioned earlier. This is my favorite matchup of the whole weekend <clears throat> because I think both these teams are in a weird place right now. Dignitas starting to fall off a cliff and they're trying to to shore that up with a different jungler, which I think is a good idea. I did think that, that Grig was a big problem. And then 100 Thieves seems like they're starting to get Rioma to the level they want him at. We were we talked a lot of shit about them last week. Rioma, dude. <clears throat> I think they're starting to get him to the level they want him at. He's not, a, he's not by any stretch a, coming up on being an all-star, but... This team has Cody Sun and Someday. Like, they've got players, some players on this team. I'm still worried about Medios. <clears throat> Luckily, I think this is the team that is least, least likely to punish Medios since Acadian's new to the team and Greg was awful. So this is, the, this is like, the team that's least likely to punish them. I kind of like 100 Thieves here. I think the value is with 100 Thieves. Uh, so... 
This is a weird one because I, I don't feel particularly strong on either side of this, which makes me just want to be like, okay, like, you know, hold my nose and take 100 Thieves here, even though I think Dignitas are a better team. Even with the new jungler, I think Dignitas are a better team, right? It's just, like, I want to take Dignitas. I think Dignitas win this game. I'm just not paying 147. I feel like someday is a terrible matchup for Hooney. Like, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, I, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, I, th- I think someday is a terrible matchup for Hooney. Like, someday is, like, a a very far above average, like, rock top laner. Like, you, you rarely have a game where you're like, man, someday is really someday, yeah. someday is still, like, the best if he wants to be. I'm convinced. Like, Oh, he, he's so good. And he's, impact, but, too. More importantly, he's not a Feaster Famine player for me. He's just always good. And I feel like Hooney, with the, with the style that Hooney plays, he's just going to, like, beat his head into a wall against someday and not win. And that's bad for them. To me, this is the North American equivalent of Keen versus Nogari. Yes. And yes. we saw that last week. Yes. Yeah, Keen, I like Keen, that. Keen won. Yeah, it's like... I think that's a very good, I think that is a very good uh, example of, of what this type of matchup is. And I really think that, yes, that Hooney's going to beat his head into a wall. I don't think the jungle makes it one way or another. Yeah. Froggen could maybe carry them. I think Dignitas are the better team. It's just like you, this is a really weird matchup because it's a crossroads for both teams. Yeah, very much. Like I, I kind of feel like this match could set the pace for the rest of the season for either one of these teams. Like I, it feels to me almost like whoever wins this is probably gonna like get that playoff spot. I I got to admit, I think maybe I was maybe I was a little too hard on a hundred thieves. Like I think if you would have asked so. me, they, I think they you had every reason to be critical of this team. <clears throat> the thing for me is, if you would have asked me what Hundred Thieves' record was going into last week, and, and I and I couldn't remember what their record was, and I would have said they were like one in ten. Like they just felt really bad, and then I look back and I was like, actually, they have a serviceable record. Like they've beaten teams. Yeah. Like it's they're not they're not maybe as bad as I was like they they two zeroed Golden Guardians like Golden Guardians is has played solid this year and they they two zeroed them I don't know I might have not been giving quite enough credit to Hundred Thieves they're they're not a good team by any stretch but I, I might have been too low on them saying they were the worst team in the league I don't necessarily think that's true I just want to point out quickly Hundred Thieves wins this season they split with Evil Geniuses so they have one against Evil Geniuses one mm-hmm. against CLG. Two against Golden Guardians, and then they split. And with they Liquid. took one off Liquid. Like those are solid wins. It's See, not like they're two zero against CLG and two zero against Dignitas and two zero against Immortals. See, or to like. me, I'm officially done with this EG team. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to them. But like, I, I think I need to adjust my my valuation of this team and say that like I was just dead wrong on them. Like they're just not playing. Like they're they're not built for this kind of league. We talked about like kind of the same way with like uh, like Damwon right now is struggling with this in Korea, where it's like they're just not built to play a league like this, where it's like mistakes are extremely punishing. And I don't think they have a good read on the game. So I think I was all season long. I've been saying EG are going to come back. EG are going to bounce back. I just don't think EG are good. Like I think I was just wrong. I actually think five wins is surprising given like their performance this season and their perception of the game. So I'm off EG, so I'm giving a little less credence now. Like, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but, like, 
I'm giving less weight to even that EG. Like to me, this this team has one quality win, like one like good like good quality win, and it was against Liquid, and that was in what week one. Yeah, see, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna disagree on it. Yeah, like things. listen, like I, I'm I think not Evil, saying I still think Evil Geniuses is is gonna bounce back. We'll see. Uh, they have enough, They certainly have the talent too, but I just think you want to talk about philosophical dissonance, man. This team, if they can get on the same page about anything, they'll be. They should be good. I just they haven't yet. We're six weeks into the season. Like, what's going on? Yeah, I I don't know. I, where was I at? I don't even know. I lost my train of thought. Oh, hundred thieves. I, I'm still not buying hundred thieves. I don't think they're I, they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna make playoffs. Like I think Golden Guardians is better than Hundred Thieves. And to be clear, though, like NA has literally nine teams in playoff contention, which is insane. <laughs> well, really, it's eight because Cloud Nine have already clinched. So, yeah, yeah there, there's going to be some moves made here, and I, I have still some kind of strong feelings about who I think is going to be making those moves. I don't think Hundred Thieves is making the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think Hundred Thieves making the playoffs. I'm not saying they're bad. I think they're worse than you think they are. That's where I'm at on this. I think 100 Thieves is the value, but I think Dignitas is going to win this series. So this is either like either like a hold your nose up and take 100 Thieves or pass because I'm not paying 147 for Dignitas in their current form. Yeah. Now maybe Acadian comes in and, and bolsters that, but I don't know. We, we've talked a lot about this game. I think you get the idea. Uh, Cloud9 minus 599. TSM plus 433. Dude. So I, I have to go on my last rant of the of the night here. Go for it. I'm going to bet against Cloud9 both times this week. Again? Uh, I'm going to bet against them again both times. If they win both of these games, I'm not going to bet against them again, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> All right, well, go, not, yeah, go not ahead. Because, not because like they will have proved that they're any better than I think they are right now. I think a lot of it is about motivational stuff. When teams that are on this kind of streak lose, it tends to be somewhere in the middle, se- is the, in the middle of the season. When they're like, you get teams that are on big undefeated streaks from the beginning of the season, and will they go undefeated? Won't they go undefeated? Those teams tend to lose in the middle somewhere. Once they get over a certain hump and they realize, like, hey, you know what? We could actually go undefeated here. Then I think they're very likely to close it out. And for me, 14 0 is the number where if they hit that, I think they're going to be way over motivated to try to win the last four games and, and get a perfect split and, you know, throw the confetti from the rafters. Uh, I think this is the last week where they're still maybe not quite in that mode yet and are still going to keep picking Tom Kench comps every game and give other teams a chance to beat them. Um, I thought they got hard outdrafted in their last game. And they and they they won anyway, but I thought they got hard outdrafted. I think they've been getting hard outdrafted in a lot of games and they just play their way yeah. out of a paper bag. They, they, they don't play the same way, but they remind me of early season T1 where like they're – I think their approach generally is pretty good, but they aren't flawless. Like, they have drafts. And honestly, like, we talked about this with them and why we liked picks against them last week. I mean, FlyQuest, that was their worst game of the season. That was Cloud9's worst game of the season. And we we know now that FlyQuest is a good team. But, I mean, it, that to me, that's, like, the logic. It's like, okay, like, either the gap is closing or, like, they're showing at least any weakness. It's just a matter of, like, Okay, is this guy that's been just like trouncing everybody tired in the fifteenth round? Does that mat? Does that mean that the other teams aren't any less like? I, I, in other words, like, I'm, are we really giving that much more likelihood that they can lose a game just because of like the poor performance last week, or are we just talking about this separate from that? 
Yeah, this I, is separate. Because I'm treating it separate from that. Like, It's just for me, like I said, that when you see teams like G2 is a very good example of this. They go on these long winning streaks and they get kind of trollier and trollier. But if, if teams get over that hump and get to the point where it feels real to them that they really could probably 18-0, that's a whole new level of motivation. Like yeah. people get into that trolliness area because they're kind of losing motivation a little bit. And they're just like, let's just have some fun and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like when you get over a certain hump, that motivation comes back really strong. Yeah. And so this is the last week for me where I think Cloud9 is is decently likely to drop a game. And if they don't, I think they're going to refine that motivation and go hunting for that 18-0. So this is going to be my last week betting uh, both games against Cloud9. I only just did it last week. I hadn't been doing that every week. So... But I have bet against Cloud. I bet with Cloud Nine. I I laid two fifty against Immortals in week whatever this was. I think like week four. And I've bet against them three times since then. For so on the season, I'm a net minus one point two five units because I've gone like half or a quarter unit on, on the on the bets against them. Yeah. So, and I talked about this like going into last week. It's like, am I just going to be telling myself every week that like, oh yeah, I'm going to take a shot on Cloud Nine this week, and then eventually like I'm just losing even if I hit one of them because I've like gone so many. I have a couple losses against Cloud Nine this season. I made a little bit back betting on them. Um, I, I think I'm negative two units total on them for the season. Yeah. So I, my week... issue is like, I want TSN to be good, but TSM looked terrible right now. Yeah, they look really bad. So four thirty three is just too big. For me. I I know, like it's weird. Like I look at this and I'm really like four thirty three with a team that's like a good like they haven't been good recently, but they're a good team generally. Like TSM is a good team, right? Yeah, they're good. They're not uh, recently. They haven't been, but they're a good team, right? Chris, do you agree? Questionable, but yes, questionable. Yeah. So it feels like getting that kind of number with a good team and a best of one, you just have to. But like, I mean, I'm probably just gonna take TSM here. Yeah, I'm taking TSM. Screw it. <laughs> God damn it. I'm just gonna that. take both. I'm gonna take both. Probably. You make a lot of good points, John. Um, that's just too much. Like, I know TSM have looked bad, like really bad. But like, they're too good to be plus four thirty three against anyone. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Liquid minus 407, CLG plus 110, or plus 310. Oh, my God, that would be too much. <laughs> yeah, nothing for me on this one. Yeah, I think Liquid are going to smash. It's just too big a number. Yep. You could dabble on the kill spread. Seven and a half is pretty good. That's not one of the more interesting matchups for me, so. that This is another case, though, where, like, the kill total is 18 and a half. That's yeah. the lowest kill total I have I ever know. seen until oh, that's on Monday. Yeah, you're, I was going to say you're going to see a lower one. <laughs> It's insane. Yeah. That's insanely low, and it's a seven and a half point spread. But like, legitimately, most of the games right now are like twelve to two. Yep. So, right. exactly. Um, I mean, I could no, I'm not yeah, taking any argument on. against CLG. FlyQuest minus two hundred nine. Evil Genius is plus one sixty nine. Now, I know I I'm I'm off of EG, but I'm also not laying two hundred nine against them. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Well, I'm close, that, but... honestly. Like, I, I, I'm really, really close. Like, I'm almost willing to do that because FlyQuest look really. I mean, 
you could make an argument that FlyQuest are the second best team in North America based on the fact yeah, that well, they actually gave Cloud9 a challenge last week. Yeah, the problem with this line is that the betting like the betting sites refuse to give any respect to FlyQuest. Like they refuse to treat them like they're a really good team. Yeah, so and you want to be taking them every week, but yeah, but then the, the number is just not good enough to take anybody, for my opinion. They're not treating them like they're good enough for me to take their opponents. And so I end up it's just not line. being able to bet them. So, yeah. It's a good line. I mean, obviously, when you get closer to game time, I, I take all these lines from one. Like, I, this week I actually took them all from Pinnacle just to mix it up. But, like, shop around because if you get a good number, if you get, like, a minus 180 on FlyQuest, I'm a little more interested there. But I think this number is just right, so I'm probably just going to pass. Yeah, let's Chris, move on to Sunday. Any, lo- any love for EG, Chris? Not not on the Saturday slate, no. All right, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. CLG minus 217. What? Yeah, this is this yeah. is the most out-of-whack line I've seen. Evil Genius yeah. is plus 175. I said I was off EG. I'm taking EG here. Yeah, you, you <laughs> like, I just can't. What is this line? This line makes no sense. I mean, CLGs look better, but they haven't looked better enough to be minus 217. I'm going to double check this right now because I kind of think I might have just had a typo. So give me one second to look this up. I hope not. It's not even like, like, I mean, CLGs looked a little bit better lately, but it's not even like they have like a better record than EG or anything. They're 2 and 10. Right. Like EG's 5 and 7. No sense unless you know that full Belter. I did mess this up. It's backwards. Oh, okay. Backwards. That makes that makes more sense. It's backwards. When I, when I saw this line, I was just like, are you kidding me? All right. So just to clarify for everyone. Okay. It's okay, CLG plus 175, EG minus 217. Uh, In this case, I like CLG. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, there. <laughs> I think I stay away with the reverse lines. I do think EG's going to beat them. I like a taste of CLG. EG's bad, dude. I'm telling you. Like, they have good players. This team is bad. I was just wrong. I had the wrong read. I have completely reversed course on this team. Not based on last week, but based on... Last week kind of illuminated a lot of things for me (laughs) and made me go back and look at everything else. And this team's just bad. They have no idea. They have no idea what they're doing. I don't like, like a conflicting. lot of their drafts. I don't like a lot of their drafts. I don't decisions. like any of their drafts. But I, I still think that the, this team is going to turn it around a little bit. I don't think they're a contender by any stretch of the imagination. But I think they're a playoff team. I think they're going to make the playoffs. This is going to yeah. sound arrogant as shit, but if I was coaching this team, I, I, I would have like two wins more than they have right now. Straight oh, up. Like if oh, I, I believe really you. On the I, for this team, like, I really don't like their drafts at all. That, but that's like a concern for me because – Oh, definitely. Over the course, if anything, 10.4 has made drafting easier. Like, not by much, but, like, 10.4 has, like, narrowed the, the, the pool of, like, broken things that, like, must be banned or picked every game. So it's made it easier. Also, you've had a sample size all season to, to view things because generally the pools haven't changed that much. You know what's broken. We're six weeks into the season now. Why are we still making the same mistakes? Yeah. I'll tell you exactly why. Because they have their priorities in a different line than anyone else does. And it's not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, KT Rolster. Uh, I'm trying to think. Golden Guardians. Like, there's certain teams. Fanatic. Obviously, these are different ends of the spectrum. But, like, the things that these teams have in line is that, like, if they want to go fast and go underneath you, they're going to draft a full team comp to do that. 
and it's going to be synergistic, and it's going to make a lot of sense. They're not going to first pick Elise, like Liquid did two weeks ago, <laughs> and then draft lanes that it can't gank. Yeah. My issue with EG is that, one, they have the wrong priorities in draft. Two, philosophically, they're conflicted. Bang's been great this season. If you look at Bang's metrics, he's been outstanding, even on a losing team. They don't want to play around him. They don't even re- – I mean, they're kind of playing around Jazuke. But, like, to me, it's it's just – like, this whole team is, is constructed wrong. And it's kind of like all the concerns we had before the season are coming to fruition. Like, what was the concern we had going into the season, right? Is that you have a high-variance mid laner. You have a support that's not a good laning support with an AD carry that doesn't want to bully lane. Right? Yeah. So like you're 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 just punting bot lane altogether. Bang's been good even considering that. If I'm this team, I'm looking to be like Bang's playing like a superstar right now. You would never know it based on like his KDA and all this shit, but like you look at his metrics, he's doing so much with so little. He's ridiculously efficient. I'm yeah. just changing my game plan and playing around him and whether Jazuke likes it or not, he's playing supportive. Period. I know Sven he's not Skarin, used to that. Sven Skarin and Kumo have been the problem for me. Yeah. I think I'm so glad to feel vindicated about this because last split when Svenskeren won MVP, we had some conversations where I just said that is the most ridiculous MVP. Like there, Svenskeren was not the MVP last season. I think he was good, I, but I think it was wrong to give him MVP when he only played half the games. They literally gave him MVP because they didn't want to give it to anyone on Liquid. Yep, because they just felt like it was too homogenous. So, so they're like, well, who's the best player? That's like playing pretty good. That's not on liquid. That's like on one. Of these I've top. actually learned a little bit about the MVP process. Um, so they do it kind of like a, like a first, second, third, and they mm-hmm. compile everything. And it was, there's another thing I got from JLXP. Um, they were talking about how power of evil has a really good chance to be the MVP. This split, not because he's been, I mean, he's been exceptional. He's been very, very good mm-hmm. and not because he's the most valuable to his team either, but because, all the Cloud9 votes are going to be split up. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going to have some kind of Cloud9 player in their first spot. But I think almost everyone is going to have Power of Evil either first or second in their voting. So, like, he might compile the most votes and be the MVP for that reason. I kind of think that's what happened with Sven last season was that, like, they wanted to give it to somebody on that team and they just didn't know who and he just happened to get it, right? Yeah, and I just I thought it was an absolutely like ridiculous thing to make him MVP that season. I didn't even think he was playing that great. I thought he was like a, a slightly above average jungler yeah, last he was, season. He was fine. He wasn't spectacular. And this season he's been abysmal, and Kumo has been abysmal, and their coordination. I, I don't want to say Jazuke has been abysmal because I actually think Jazuke as a single player has been really good. But the coordination between this team has been terrible. I think Jazuke and Sven have been, like, good as a jungle mid-duo. The problem is, like, the whole team doesn't understand. This is my problem with this team is if that's how they want to play, they should just play that way. The problem is they're they're just conflicted. Like, they want to play through bot lane, but then they don't draft through bot lane. They want to play through mid lane, but then they don't set their bot lane up to play weak side. Like, just nothing nothing is in alignment with this team. And then, like, in-game... It looks like they're like it started off. There were some communication issues, which makes sense. Like given, you know, new team, new players, they've not played together before. That is understandable, right? But like the biggest concern we had going into the season with this team, and we were all pretty high on EG. 
Yeah. But, like, our biggest question mark was that this roster construction is really bizarre, right? Like, it's it's there's a lot of conflicting styles, a lot of conflicting approaches to the game. And to me, combined with coaching and a poor approach to drafting right now, like, right now, that's compiled on itself, and that's why they've been bad. With a team with this talent shouldn't have this record. They should be better than this, regardless of even if this team had average drafting, they should have better. They should be better than this, and they're just not. Like I, I'm, I'm off of VG. Like I'm completely off of them. I, that I, said, I, I'm taking them in this spot. <laughs> yeah, and I think they're going to be a playoff team for me. They should be. I don't trust them to be, but they should be. <laughs> At this point, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't make playoffs. Honestly. Like, you might be a little surprised by that, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. For me, when you look at the teams, like, I think Cloud9, FlyQuest, Team Liquid, and TSM are making the playoffs 100%, uh, which leaves two extra playoff spots between Immortals, 100 Thieves, Dignitas, Evil Geniuses, and Golden Guardians. So there's, like, five teams fighting for two spots. And for me, Immortals and Dignitas' trajectory is down. I, don't, I think both of those teams miss the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, unless Acadian makes a big difference. If Acadian comes in and can really transform Dignitas, they could make the playoffs for sure. I, I think kind of, Immortals. I kind of think it's going to be Golden Guardians and Dignitas. Uh, yeah, my my. If I had to pick two right now, I would say uh, Golden Guardians and Evil Geniuses. And if I had to decide which of those would be wrong. EG for Dignitas makes sense, or GGS for Dignitas makes sense. I think Immortals is missing for sure. But okay, so let's move on. Yeah, it's the, been a long. The, the NA picture is crazy. So, um, Hundred Thieves minus one fifty six, Immortals plus one twenty eight. This is an, this is just like the uh, the Dignitas Hundred Thieves. Like you know, cover your nose and take Immortals. I know the trajectories. I, I just don't think either of these teams are that good. I'm gonna skip this game. That's probably I would have liked. That's probably smart, I honestly. I would have liked to get 100 thieves as an underdog here, but that's I can understand why they're taking Immortals. I think these two teams are about even, so give me the plus 128. Yeah, I'm gonna pass this one. I think. Chris, uh, pass. I don't see any value here. Golden Guardians plus 136. Dignitas minus 166. Give me them Golden Guardians. I like Golden Guardians. But at the same time, I want to see how Dignitas looks with Acadian. I kind of the thing. Is, so here's the thing. Here's the catch with this, right? If Dignitas win, this is Golden Guardians' first game of the week. So if Dignitas win on Saturday, this line's probably going to be like closer to 200. But you could also bet this during the game. Yeah, that that's going to so, be my play. I think is, is see what's going on during the game and make my decision then about what I want to do with this game. Yeah, I, I will definitely be looking at Golden Guardians in this spot, but again, like keep an eye on how Dignitas look with Acadian because maybe maybe he's just like a boost of energy, and like that can happen. Uh, FlyQuest minus one fourteen, TSM minus one hundred six, slight favorites for FlyQuest. I like FlyQuest here. FlyQuest look like the second best team. Like I I don't think they will be by the end of the season. I think they're going to be the third best team. I think Liquid's better eventually. But I think I, Liquid's better right now. I mean, I, yeah, me too. But like, I think Fly, FlyQuest are, are to me like half a tier better than TSM. Like, I think FlyQuest are good. Like FlyQuest are actually are good. I think. I think they're definitely good. I, I get the feeling they're going to lose this matchup. The last time they played TSM, they won. 
but they were also down 6,000 gold at like 20 minutes. And then it was just some really poor execution by TSM that let them back in it. I'm trying to take a brief look back because I'm pretty sure... They were literally down like 6,000 gold at 20 minutes. One of the the most memorable games of the split for me because that was the game that I keep referencing where FlyQuest just kept throwing stuff at them and TSM just kept disengaging over and over again. I mean, the thing is, like, TSM, like, week three and four TSM, they were looking more on form. Like, they looked pretty good in those weeks. Uh And... Something tells me TSM is going to win this game. I'm going to end up betting on TSM in this one, even though I really like FlyQuest. I'm going to be on FlyQuest. I guess we'll conflict there. Chris, what do you think? Be the tiebreaker, Chris. Uh, so I want to say, I, you know what? I'm going to play the narrative. This is like absolutely no logic into this. But if TSM somehow pulls off a win against C9, they should pull off a win against FlyQuest because they can't go one and one They have not been able to go one and one Oh, game. yeah. I forgot about this. So, yeah. Like, Narrative streak. For those that don't know, yeah, TSM have either 0-2 or 2 0 every single week so far. So, so that's why Chris is saying that. If they win against C9, they'll probably go 2-0. <laughs> if they lose against C9, they're going to lose 0-2. <laughs> I'm going to wait for Saturday's result. I mean, I could see, like, if Cloud9 just obliterate them, maybe they're just like, holy shit, like... I don't know. I like, like Dude, I think FlyQuest is a better team. Overall, yes, because TSM has not been able to build any sort of lead. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was the patch change. Maybe it's their preparation. T- but... right, so TSM are really... I kind of talked about this in my blog post going into last weekend, how TSM have been really bizarre in that they've accrued early gold leads, but they don't actually have like macro leads because they... they They've given up Drakes at, like, an unreal clip this split, right? Mm. Because they've basically... I mean, it's it's enough of a an indicator now that... I mean, they blew this up last weekend, but... It's enough of an indicator that looking at how they've played, they basically don't care about Dragon. Like, it's just not on their radar. They don't care. They would rather get Towers and Herald, which... Okay, if that's the way you want to play, that's fine. The problem is, they're also, like, dilly-dallying in the mid-game and not closing games out. So when you give up th- two or three Drakes for free, and all of a sudden it's sole point, you don't win that fight, you just lose the game a yeah. lot of the time. And that's what's happening. So either they get a ton off of that early snowball. So if you look at TSM, like, they're, like, uh, Oracle's Elixir as EGR, right? Like, early game rating. They have a good EGR, but, like, it's it's not indicative of, of actually what's going on. And then now, obviously, last week against... Uh, what's it called? They I, I, so I had I had liquid. I was heavy on liquid last weekend against them because I didn't care that tactical was starting because to me yeah. liquid are so good with a lead that they're just like they, they've they've won like every game they've had a lead pretty much this split right like a, a substantial lead. They're not going to botch that. And if TSM are just going to seed control that, then I, I, th- I thought liquid was just going to run away with the game. And then TSM weirdly put a lot of focus on dragons in that liquid game. Which is like really bizarre, but yeah, I don't know. I, TSM have a really weird take on the game, and I like that they're consistent with it, and that they've identified that's what they want to do. I just think it's wrong. So I don't know. I think FlyQuest are just good. Uh, to me, the top is like you have like Cloud Nine are probably in a tier of their own, and I think like a quarter tier down is Liquid, and eventually they'll be the same tier. Then I think like a quarter tier down is FlyQuest, and then I think another quarter tier down is TSM, and then I think it's a bigger drop off from there. Yeah, that's about how I feel at it's, the moment. It's weird if you could do, like, quarter tiers. Like, I don't Something know. Something tells me this is the weekend that TSM pulls it together. It might. I mean, that's certainly the case. Uh, Monday, we have Liquid, minus 415, Immortals, plus 281. 
Liquid kill spread minus six and a half. That's the play here. Yeah, I like the liquid kill spread quite a bit. Yeah, look, we just smashed this. And then Golden Guardians plus 624, Cloud 9 minus 930. This is the other spot where you're taking. Yeah, I'm taking Golden Guardians at plus 624. Dude, 624 is a massive number. That is a huge number. I think I'm just going to do the quarters again. Quarter each on, on TSM and Golden Guardians. Yeah. That's like not an easy schedule. Nope. I think Golden Guardians could definitely win here at 624. Cloud Nine are they're not gonna go undefeated. They're gonna lose a game. I keep saying this, and I keep trying to pick the stack. Like I said, if they win out this week, I think they, they have a very good chance of going undefeated. But I think this is a reasonable chance they lose this week. Alright. Uh that's it. So pick of the week. Um how did I meant to ask you guys, how do you guys want to handle so KT Rolster last week there was a gigantic move on the number. Like to think that uh, it was our clients moving the number, you know. <laughs> but uh like so the KT number moved. Let me just pull it up real quick. By game time, KT was plus one twenty or was only plus one twenty three. Well, like you had the plus eight. one point five, right? Yeah. So here's why I was asking though, because we got them at two hundred. That's an eighty point line move, and it, I didn't look at it the next day. There's a good chance it moved the next day. Do we just want to put this somewhere in the middle, just for the sake of like fairness? Because the listeners probably didn't get it until at two hundred. What did it end up at? Would you 123. say one twenty three? Okay, yeah, probably like plus one sixty or something. Yeah, I, I think we'll put it somewhere in the middle. I'll, I'll put it at plus one sixty just for record keeping purposes, and I'm going to move my plus one point five up to our limit of minus two hundred because that went up to minus two thirty four. So they did end up winning outright two zero as expected. However, um. Yeah, uh, I'll just do that for the sake of bookkeeping, just because there was no way the cl- the the listeners were going to be able to get that number by the time we we did it, which happens sometimes. But we're just going to try to be fair, fair bookkeepers to all of you. So, uh, pick of the week. Uh, I'm going to figure mine out, and you guys can go ahead. I don't know if somebody wants to read Calvin's. Uh, Calvin went with a parlay in the LPL. We didn't touch on the LPL a ton, uh, but he took OMG at plus one ninety two. And JDG at plus 159. JDG's playing against uh, Fun Plus Phoenix, and OMG is playing against LNG. Uh, that OMG line, by the way, is absurd. I'd smash that OMG line plus 192. Yeah, I'm going to be on both of those pretty heavy duty. Yeah, that parlay seems pretty good. And then my pick of the week was Excel plus 159 against Misfits. That's where uh, that's where I'm planning my play. Chris? Yeah, I think uh, I'm seeing – I need a win here, man. It's been a rough, rough season in betting it. That's why I'm not a better. Uh, but I'm going with Matt plus 123 against Rogue, which I think this is a close matchup. And I kind of like Matt's side a little bit more unless Rogue shows me that they have a game plan. In mind. Very reasonable, I think. One second. As usual, <laughs> ill prepared for the uh, pick of the week. Uh, we could talk a little Dude, bit. G2's about just out, just out of range, man. Uh, I'll give you my I'll give you my sign off while we're waiting for you. You know, I got it. I got it. Oh, you got it. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go just G two or Fnatic. There you go. I know that's like this is a little bit higher risk, but G two minus one fifty five against Fnatic, I think is is. My pick. 
Alternatively, I like KT Rolster money line also. You know, yeah, I'll go KT Rolster money line against Griffin actually. No, I lied. I'm sticking. I'm sticking G two against Fnatic. G two minus one fifty five against Fnatic. I'm putting it in right now. Okay, locked in. Uh, just quickly, uh, on the season. Oh, I didn't put this week's in because I didn't know how to calculate. So we'll do that next week. I'm not worried about it. Uh, sign offs. I had kind of a just kind of a quick one. <clears throat> I had a few different people ask me in in DM last week actually, which is kind of weird. I talk a lot of shit about organizations on Twitter in general, coaching staffs, general managership. And one of the biggest things uh, two different people asked me last week was what exactly about it is wrong? Like, are the, like, do you, do I think is wrong? Like, well, what are they missing? And I wanted to, to touch on something that people don't usually touch on. Usually when I reference like organizations, people are always like, Oh, he just means they're picking the wrong champion. Like they they took Tom Kench and they shouldn't take him. But that's actually not what I think the teams are missing the most. What I think they're missing the most is managership and people completely undervalue the value of having good managers, especially when you're dealing with young kids who are like younger kids who are pretty talented. Um, There is a, like, I don't know how many people here have worked in the corporate world. I didn't until I was much later in life, but the difference between having a manager that knows how to motivate you and knows how to keep you in line versus a manager that doesn't is worlds different. Somebody who knows how to look at who you are as a person who talks to you, who figures out what your motivations are, um, the difference between me and somebody else who works at this company might be, you know, what I'm shooting for in life and what they're shooting for in life might be completely different things. And if you talk to both of us the same, one of us is not going to like what you're talking about. And one of us is going to get demotivated. One of us isn't going to care anymore. And I think one of the biggest things these teams are missing, if you look at the, go look at the structures of these teams, a lot of their general managers, a lot of the people that are watching over these players are 24 year old guys who just got out of business school who knew a guy who worked at an esports team, and he was like, "Hey, you want to come manage my team? You got a business degree." And the guy was like, "Hell yeah!" And then you look at their twitters, and they're out partying with the guys and posting selfies with the players and, th- and that kind of stuff. For a lot of these guys, it might work. For a lot of these guys, I guarantee you, it does not. And when when I hear about this scrim culture stuff of you know just letting the players pick whatever they want, and you know you're on stage and the guys just like, you know, I feel like playing Soraka today. Let's do it, and they just play Soraka. That kind of stuff comes from not having managers that Lack know how to motivate, not knowing how to motivate the players correctly, not knowing how to keep things in line. And I'm not talking about needing a harsh manager. It's all about figuring out what motivates people and, and getting to the core of what motivates them. For a very long time, when I worked in the corporate world, I had managers who had no idea how to motivate me. They tried to motivate me like I wanted to be the CEO of the company someday, and I didn't want to be the CEO of the company someday. So all the motivational techniques they used had no effect on me. They're yeah, ba- they basically just comes off as like really like leave me alone, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it comes off very fake and very you know. They kept saying like you know you just follow these rules and then you're going to be the CEO. I'm like I don't want to be the CEO, so I guess I just won't follow the rules, like because <laughs> you don't know, you don't understand what I want out of life, so you don't know how to how to motivate me. So yeah, I think one of the biggest things they're missing is not just like oh they shouldn't be picking Tom Kench. They need proper motivational people in there, not just for the players, but also for the coaches and also for the other members of the organization like that to figure out how to get the best out of their people. I think most esports teams are missing that. I had a uh, – so mine actually happened recently. It was uh, this morning, actually. I had I, I, got a, I got a DM from a Twitter follower. I'll, I'll keep everybody nameless for the time being just because I don't want to you know, create a big stink. But uh, – I got complimented on uh, 
this person just said, it's like, I have a lot of respect for how you respectfully respond to what I consider rude critics on Twitter. And the person that DM me this will know who they are listening. So I, don't, I won't use any names. You, you know who you are. Um, and I was, I, I took a step back and really started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? Like this kind of speaks to the sign off. We talked about last week about taking the moral high ground. And I just want to like put this out there just like as something, I guess this is a bit of a peek into the, you know, world of Vince, right? To me, I try to treat everybody with as much respect as I can, even if I disagree with them, even if I think they're just dead wrong. Because to me, I don't stand to gain anything from either bullshitting people or starting a fight for no reason. Like, look, I I like mixing it up with people as much as the next guy. Hell, that's why I put myself out in the public like this, because I like the the discourse, the, the discussion. You make your point, I make my like that's what's that's what's fun about this whole thing. And that that's one of the things I love about just like the gambling world in general is that we talked about earlier how there's different ways to approach things and both can be right, both can be wrong. And it's really cool exploring and networking and talking to all these different people. But I it kind of reminded me of just treat people with respect. It's like real simple. Like just treat people with respect and you don't have to bullshit people. Like I don't have anything to prove to people other than like, this is just a project that I like working on and I'm trying to get better at it. And I'm, I I try to be as genuine as I possibly can about things. Like that's why I offer full transparency on everything. Right. And just be respectful to one another. Like I handle, I handle critics. I think I like to think I handle it pretty well. Like if someone makes a good point, I'm not going to sit here and say, eh, you know what? I still think I'm right. Even if I might think that, like, if someone says I'm wrong, or someone says, like, okay, I think you're wrong about this, I'm going to listen to it, I'm going to read it, and if they're right, I'll be like, yeah, you know what, you're right. And I had a situation, I've had a bunch of these situations come up over the years where it's like, I think you're just wrong about this thing, and I'll be like, okay, well, why do you think that's the case? They make the point and be like, you know what, I think you're actually right about that. I'm not above admitting I'm wrong, and I think that's a big part of, maybe it's just being an adult. I'm a little bit older than the yes. crowd that we're dealing with. It's just like, okay, like, yeah, I was wrong about this, right? And be willing to admit when you're wrong, and it's not something to be ashamed of unless it was, like, from a lack of work or effort or preparation or something like that. Then you can be ashamed of yourself. But you're just going to be wrong about some stuff sometimes, and that's okay. Just be willing to admit it and don't sit there. And I think this is kind of a thing that's in- infected a lot of society this- these days is – People aren't willing to admit when they're wrong or people aren't willing to compromise on things. You see it a lot in politics. You see it a lot in all sorts of different issues where mm-hmm. you get big, big time in politics. That's a big problem with politics. It's like, just admit you're wrong. F- try to figure out what you did. Try to figure out the points that this person is making and either compromise on it or learn from the experience. Like, And it's not always about being right. And trust me, as a prognosticator, I love nothing more than being right. <laughs> okay. But even I can admit when I'm wrong about things, and I think that's it's a really important thing to to think about. Just like just in general in life, I think it's it's good advice to give out to people. And I just wanted to give that example because it popped up this you morning. Say, so. And you say being respectful. I just I always piggyback on everybody else because I love hogging the conversation. <laughs> but no, to to kind of piggyback on that, you say being respectful to people. I'll tell you, people right now, and this tends to be a problem with younger people, and it was a problem with me when I was a younger person as well. So I'm not saying I'm above anybody else. But there's nothing that makes me like not care about your opinion more than when your comments are like, lol, what an idiot, or this guy's a moron, or whatever. Like if you if you talk like that, like I just disregard you immediately. Because I, I know you don't have anything valuable to say. If all if all if that's what your responses are like, people think it's like, 
a really cool thing to call somebody a, like a name or whatever. But I just immediately think you're an idiot. If you oh, you a telephone tough guy, <laughs> huh? That's <laughs> yeah. Like I just assume you have nothing to say if you're acting disrespectfully like that. Like you can easily have a conversation with, between me and Gelati where we completely disagree on the issue. Yeah, we have a and number so, of times. Yeah, a ton of times. And you can easily have that conversation and never once insult the other person. You don't need to. They they can have a reasonable opinion that's different than yours. And I had somebody on Twitter just last night. I said, I don't agree with this guy, but I think his opinion is reasonable. And someone responded to me and said, so which one is it? Is his opinion reasonable or do you agree with them? It's not always black or white, dude. Like, it's just like... You can have reasonable opinions that aren't the same as mine. Like, you have some evidence to back up your opinion, so it's reasonable. I don't necessarily think that's correct, but... I'll have have one more little tag on to this just because it's related, which is... I think a lot of people... Before you put something out there, just, like, think about how it looks. And I'm guilty of this. Sometimes it looks worse and, like... But before you put, like, a criticism out or, like, you want to start a debate, think of, to me, that's, like, troll status, right? Yeah. Like, you're not you're, providing a point. You're not providing a point. If you provide a point to me and be like, you know, th- if you make a, a reasonable point or even even one that I disagree with, you make a reasonable point, it's like, okay, I have a, I have a lot more respect for you. Now, I, start, I try to start at the baseline of having respect for you, but, like, when you immediately discredit yourself. I, and I think a lot of people don't know. Maybe it's just from lack of practice. But they don't know how to say something in a non-offensive way. Try this. Yeah. Seriously, try the, Try this. For people that are like that, that, that catch yourself, you know, be self-honest. And if you're that kind of person, seriously, try this. Next time, Gelati, let's say Gelati posts something or somebody you don't like. They post something and, and they're like, you know, Nuguri is the best top laner in the whole league. And you totally disagree with that. Write this. Write, lol, you're an idiot. And then write all the reasons why you think he's an idiot. And then erase, lol, you're an idiot. And then just post that. Yep. Or just, read it, or just read it yourself as if you were me. You're the biggest moron, and then write all your points, and then erase you're the biggest moron, and just post your points. And then you can have a respectful conversation about what's going on. <laughs> just like, you know, that I honestly think that that would work for people. Just, you know, if your natural instinct is to be like, this guy's an idiot, then write, this guy's an idiot, and then your points, and then erase the first part, and then you're going to have a good discussion. I've, I've literally done this, by the way. Like, I've literally, <laughs> I've literally been like, I could not disagree more. Like, that's what, and then I'll just... Write everything out, delete that, and then post. <laughs> yep, I've done it before too because I, I got to look back at it and I'm like, you know what? I don't need to argue with like I'm not. Well, trying it's like to I don't need I don't need to like question this person as a person. You yeah, know? like that's the thing. Are, like yeah. like his opinion on you know this basketball team has nothing to do with him as a as a fellow as human, a human being. being. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I don't need to I don't need to question your you know, moral standing just because like, I think LeBron James is a better basketball player than, you know, Kawhi Leonard or something like that. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that, that, I think that's actually like the, the best punctuation sentence I could have put on this. It's like, don't, don't attack someone as a person, attack their opinion because yeah. their opinion, they're putting their opinion out there to be attacked or disagreed with or agreed with or whatever. That's what they sign up for. They don't sign up to be attacked as a fellow person though. Yeah. That was good. That was good. Uh, Chris sign offs. On this extremely it's long really, podcast. Just so really hard to follow what both of you said. I do think that's been a theme uh, of our uh, of this week on Twitter. And yeah, if people can just be decent human beings and treat others with decency and respect, we don't have to agree. We never said we need to agree uh, or disagree. We, there's always, always something we can learn from one another. Um. And I guess my sign off would be uh, on Dot Esports. They're running a March Madness for the best uh, music. 
Just go so vote. Go vote for Legend of Die is the best song. <laughs> it's Rise. You see, they even got like a free bye week. Rise. No, dude. It's Legend of Die. No, dude. No, it's I, I, I got I got to look this up now because I got to see the bracket because if uh, they gave Rise a bye, dude, like, come if on. any of the Pentakill stuff on there, that's getting it. That's getting it. What I me. don't get was Warriors got a bye too. I... Admittedly, I... I'm a metalhead, but like, dude, there's there's just no way. Lightbringer is so good, dude. Uh, Your Lightbringer... is a goddamn legend. All right, it's all, <laughs> like, that's... It's all world songs. It's the world. Oh, world. never mind then. Legends never dies the best by a lot. Uh... <sighs> Probably. Still, I think I have a definitive opinion on. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's good. Different change, change of pace for the sign off. All right, that's going to do it for this week. I know this podcast was extremely long, but we covered a lot of ground, and I think we'll be able to get back to more of um just the slate next week. And uh, again, there's been a lot of like big picture stuff that we've been covering, so I think it's been good that we've taken the time to to you know dive into these things a little bit because it's going to pertain to a lot of stuff moving forward. So. Um, I do think it's kind of like time invested that will be good. And we can point back to this episode where we talked about this topic and I can, you know, instead of having to talk about it again and again and again. So, all right. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, good luck this weekend. Uh, remember the LPL starts up on Monday. So if you're interested in all of that, keep an eye on that. And I think without anything else, I will see you guys next week. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.